This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking Jackass Forever and Moonfall. Good thing the gravity is being affected by the moon because I don't want any gunk getting on me from wherever the hell it's coming from. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, and welcome to Jackass. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, we most explore for you, you, the occasional commentary track, or some some other fun movie topic. This is episode 484, 484. Wow, that's great for uh, um, a perfect full moon. Not, not sure how the two connect, but sure. Nope. Okay. It's, it's our, it is our Try, first, trying hard. It is our first numerical palindrome of the year, so we got that going for us. There you go. And uh, this week, speaking of the moon, we have two movies to discuss this week. We are talking first, Jackass Forever, followed by Roland Emmerich's Moonfall. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How come you didn't say Jeff Tremaine's Jackass? I feel like he, I feel like that's more of a group effort. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah makes we're, sense. We're, we're Moonfall, Roland Emmerich's happy to say. It's really know, just Roland Emmerich doing it. Yeah. The Roland Emmerich film. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, joining us to discuss both films, we have from the Tar Heel State. He's ready for another round of Scorpion Botox. It's Alan Aguilera. Hello. How are we doing? Also joining us from Cal State. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I will get back to you. I was going to get back to you, too. <laughs> From Cal State Fullerton, he will not rest until he can restore the moon to its original orbit. It's Professor Mike Dillon. Hello. How are both of you doing today? Alan, Mike, hello. Oh, uh, I mean, oh, can I answer? Are we going to do this now? Are you really yeah, I, yeah, I really want to know else? how Alan is doing. So. I do, too. I'm yeah. not doing well. No, oh, no. <laughs> I was great. You guys have to ruin it. What if you weren't doing well and we just took like another 20 minutes to talk about this movie chat? That'd be that'd be therapeutic. I mean it could be, yeah. Probably like, probably nice. down there in Abe. Yeah. Alan, you can call me anytime. I'm like I'm like right. a Iceman over at the end of Top Gun. You can be my wingman anytime. Oh, I love that. I'm a pretty good <laughs> Alan, wingman. Alan, you can call me Mike. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Mike. Mike, you can call me Al. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Good song. I never even thought to call you Al, by the way. I've never even thought about that. Please don't. I was just trying to be yeah. funny. Please don't. Okay. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, you like know, Al is pretty short. Hands in his pants. Yeah, Al is yeah just... and then they sell women's shoes. I don't need to do that. <laughs> you have a two-story house, though. That's great. I know. I mean, imagine how much is that, that's worth right now. The summer of Chicago, that's crazy. Oof. Glad you guys are here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't that's... want to talk about Chicago real estate? That's, I don't know. I don't know too much about it. I've, t- I've taken the architecture tour. There's a lot of nice architecture in Chicago. I know that. Yeah. Let's let's go over some show notes real quick before we get to the, the meat of this conversation, which is delving more into Chicago trivia before we talk about movies. Of course, there you go. I love it. Uh, last week's show, we talked all about Sundance. Alex Billington from the show and I discussed the uh, Sundance Film Festival. A lot of movies that we were able to check out and what have you. That's a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun. Up, a lot of fun to go over. A lot of big episode. Uh, a lot to cover. But uh, that's up now. On the old iTunes, speaking of which, you can search our, for our show out now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, and you can send us some ratings and reviews, which would be uh, great. Thank you so much in advance. Uh, commentary track. It is a new month, Uh-oh. Uh, and we do have a movie in mind. 
I'm pretty sure we've confirmed this. We're going to be talking the movie Sahara for this month's oh, wow. track. Okay. We wanted to talk about an adventure film. We have a note that we have Uncharted coming out later in the month. We figured, how about Sahara? Yeah, Steve's on Classic. Steve's on Classic. That's what they say. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned uh, for that. But you can prep in advance if that's something people do for these commentary tracks. I never know. Um, so yeah, that should be fun. Um, what else? Uh, that's it. That's, <laughs> that covers it. I thought I had more. I had more to say, but no, that's it for show notes. That's, that's all we got to go. Perfect. Uh, I mean, the Oscar nominations are coming out soon, so it's coming out soon. A lot yeah, of predictions will, floating around already. We will have an Oscar, Oscar themed shows as we normally do later in the, uh, I guess, in March when the Oscars actually happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, just stay tuned for all that. And yeah, I think that's going to do it uh, for the show notes here. So let's move on to some out now quickies. Trademark. Each week now that we will be with the quickies. Damn, thanks, Alan. Alan, you got to be uh, you got to be on the buzzer here. That's great. Okay. No, yeah. Alan's got it. Alan's got it. Alan's got it. I got it. I was ready. I was ready. I was ready. Okay. All right. I always forget that when you do the <laughs> quickies, then then you do the thing. Trademark. I always, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just my timing is always off on that one, but the rest of it, I got it. I got yeah, this. We're good. good. Heads in the game. I'm ready. Okay. All right, <laughs> Abe. What have you seen recently? Uh, I I watched a um. I, it might be like 10 hours. I watched a 10 hour movie called the last of us two, um, where I was finally able to finish <laughs> it very long, but also left me feeling a lot of different emotions at the end of it. The other movie that I saw, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, does yeah, that mean please. it's good or bad? Like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just really, I think the term I used, uh, was empty. I was very empty at the end of the last of us two. I was waiting for PS five. Um, and then I realized that the PS5 is probably never going to come out because the world is is presumably ending. Um, so I just had a PS4 and I played it finally. Um, and it's it's a very complex game with complex emotions. And um, I again just very very sad, empty at the end of it. Uh, I still still processing some feelings from it. Um, that was out now with their names, uh, Game Corner. Okay, so oh, cool. so you felt empty because it just drained you, or because it was just yeah, the clarity would be without welcome. without merit, right? <laughs> very very draining emotionally, just on a on a spiritual level, emotional level, on a where will what what happen level? Where will they where will where will they be? Where will they go level? Uh, it was just a lot, um, and you know, I, I'm pretty sure that that's the intention. Um, so I've been searching for some solace ever since by reading uh, Reddit boards and uh, interviews with Neil Druckmann and whatever else. I'm like, just tell me what happens. Are they okay or not? Um, and I piece some of that together. <laughs> yeah. I, I think <laughs> that there's the like some pieces here and there. So uh, I finished that. And then I, I want to point out a movie that I don't know if a lot of people have seen this. Um, it's called the mask of Zorro. And <laughs> it is, um, it is fantastic. Like it is shot like an old Zorro movie, like the colors, the color grading is just really well done. And you know what? Banderas and uh, Anthony Hopkins, A plus performances, A plus performance. They it's play great Mexicans. Movie. What's up? Yeah, they, they play do. great Mexicans. I know that were part. You... I was like, eh. listen, um, as the Mexican on this podcast, I don't give a shit. They were great. <laughs> they are the great. They're thing, great in the movie. This, like it doesn't matter. Vasquez is one of the best Mexicans on film, and she's a Russian Jew. So what are we gonna do? <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> at least they, at least it's another name that people know how to pronounce. I'm fine with that. 
There you go. But here's the but, other thing. Were you waiting to watch this movie for your PS5 as well? Or were you just... <laughs> no. <laughs> I was waiting to see what the upscaling was going to look like. No, no. I w- it was just, it, it's on Netflix right now. And I just wanted to check it out because I hadn't seen it in a very long time. And I was like, wow, it, you know, as an older adult person now, this is actually a lot more fun than I remember it being. And it, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I don't really know the Zorro thing. But then now I just appreciate a lot of the, the technical things about it. But also how it's like whimsical and, and fun and a lot of like weird like pratfalls from uh, from Antonio Banderas. So I mean, it's it's one of the best superhero movies ever. I never <laughs> like, thought of it I mean, that way. It, 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 that's what it is. Like, yeah, it rules. It's a good one. Martin Campbell knows what he's doing as an action I know. director. And then and you know what I did? I also rented um, the protege because of Martin Campbell, but I haven't started it yet. I enjoyed it. Surprisingly decent that one. It, yeah. it has it has fun. Yeah. There you go. Largely because you got Michael Keaton just putting in the work. <laughs> when is he not putting in the work? Oh, I can name some examples. Mike, let's go hear from you. <laughs> what uh, what have you seen recently? Me? Um, what have I seen? I haven't seen anything in theaters. My my last big batch was Sundance. I saw a couple dozen films. I mean, if you've already covered it in the previous episode, I don't need to belabor it other than to say my favorite um was a documentary called my old school okay. uh, i don't know if you caught that one it's out no, of Scotland. Not. Yeah. It's, it's great um i also loved another one called god's country which is a thriller other than that I, i've just been going through my uh my independent spirit award screeners oh, nice. uh, voting yeah voting begins in a i think next week actually so those have been mainly 2021 films that I hadn't gotten around to. And <clears throat> a recent one I saw that I really enjoyed that kind of caught me by surprise was uh, Swan Song, not mm-hmm. the Mahershala Ali oh, Swan Song. The Udo Kier Swan Udo, Song? The Udo Kier one. Have uh-huh. you seen it? Yes, I have. It's wow. delightful. It's very fun. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very charming. It's very weird. Um, it's the better so that, of the two Swan Songs. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, interesting. It's really good. I and mean, so I think you kind of need to be on board with Udu Kier's sort of idiosyncrasies. Sure. But who, who amongst us isn't? And <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's great. I'll just note that he's playing like the nice Udo Kier as opposed to like villainous Udo Kier. And it's like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is fun. This is what he's playing Ace Ventura Udo Kier. He's, is he nice in that movie? <laughs> yeah, he, he's a nice guy in that movie. Okay. He smells terrific in that movie. Yeah. The, uh, no, the other thing I've been watching that I just finished actually, it's it's kind of rare for me to find time to watch a TV series. Just it's the thing that I usually am not able to make time for. But have you guys seen Gangs of London? Yes, I have. Not. Yes, I have. No, so I mean, I presume we're all big fans of the Raid movies. And yes, the, oh yeah. Anyway, the guy, yeah, the guy who made those films, Gareth, Gareth Evans, Gareth Evans. Uh, made this Gangs of London. It's a London crime drama, but with all of these bananas action sequences um that make absolutely no sense in terms of why are these people so proficient at martial arts but i just finished the season yesterday it's so much fun it's ridiculous but it's it's loads of fun it um, ends in a way where like oh we're we're going this big <laughs> we're doing it where, uh, where's how that one watch it yeah yeah it's on amc plus mm-hmm. ah okay which oh, you can uh, yeah, if you're not subscribed, you can do a trial through Amazon. That's how I did it. Mm, got it. Go. And I believe it's also on like it came on regular AMC also eventually, but I know AMC Plus is where it originated. So got it. Gangs of London. Okay. It's uh yeah, fun to get your rocks off too. Let me put it that way. <laughs> kind of show that's, it, that's about that's that's about it. <laughs> All right. 
Alan, what have you been watching? Yes, sir. Uh, last week I saw Scream. Or, oh. as I say, Five Cream. And it was wonderful. I had a very good time. Um, I don't want to give out too much, but it was pretty cool. And then what I, I rewatched Casino. Ooh. And let me tell you, ooh, that Marty Scorsese can make a movie. <laughs> nice. Like, because I watched it all the time when I was a kid. All Like, it was just on all the time. And when it I was like, older, it was like the Goonies, ET, and Casino, right? Just nonstop. I didn't even watch. I know. Like, growing <laughs> up, it was Face Off, Point Break, The Lion King, Casino. That makes so, sense. So it's just whatever. Like, you know, nobody cared what I watched. I just watched whatever I wanted. But, you know, as a kid, I was like, this is great. This is violent. And they're saying the F bomb all the time. As When I got older, I'm like, this is fascinating. I really want to go to, they don't make Vegas like they used to. So I just thought that was really cool. So I rewatched that. I, uh, if we're talking about TV, I recently binged all of Yellowstone in like two weeks, which yeah. is rare for me because I usually don't wow. watch stuff. And, you know, I actually really, you know, enjoyed it. Paramount Plus. It's really right? bom- what's, uh, it was on Peacock. It's, oh, it's on Peacock. It's on Peacock. 1883 is on Paramount Plus, but I watched season four on my YouTube TV. This is getting complicated. Um, so much. It was so much. Like Yellowstone, I know it started out just on like on regular cable, like on the Paramount yeah, channel. Paramount and, the, yes, and so and so that makes that uh, makes it eligible for Peacock for whatever reason. But then there's hmm. also like there's the spin-off show 1883 that's on Paramount Plus as well, right? But, yeah, and they're making another spin-off show about te- in Texas. I'm like, guys, it's too much. Too much more shit. But you know, of, of I like the Yellowstone it. universe. It's, you know, it's Midwest uh, Succession. I'm like, for it. Or the West Succession. Midwest Succession. Okay. It was the same kind of vibe. I'm like, I like. Yeah, it's a good way to describe it. I'm glad there's East Coast. I'm I'm glad there's East Coast Succession, Southern Succession with the Righteous Gemstones, and now Midwestern Succession. Yeah, we need something. Well, not only Midwest, it's Montana. I guess that would be like, you know what I mean. That's Midwest. It's MAGA Session. Frontier. Frontierland. Frontierland, yeah, it's Frontierland. Frontierland. What's West Coast Succession like? What some Kardashian show or something? Like what? What's what's the what's the equivalent over here? We'll get to it. it might be like nine hundred two and zero, but either way, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was I was like a lot of his stuff is kind of bombastic, but I'm like whatever. I don't. The first season, I was like, these people should all be arrested. They all committed a crime. How is no one talking about the shootout in the intersection? Then I realized, oh, Alan, it's a TV show. Chill out. So then I just kind of went with it. It was pretty fun, and then. uh and then I've been, uh, I've really been doing anything else TV. I don't think, I mean, reality TV. I'm watching Celebrity Big Brother right now. But other than that, you know, Scream was good. And then I watched these two movies this weekend. And I have thoughts. Who's the biggest celebrity on Celebrity Big Brother? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, Chris Kattan's on it right now. Okay. Chris Kattan? That's, that's all I need. Chris Kattan is on it. Has, <laughs> right. Wow. Like it. Yeah. Carson Kressley, like I know most of the people. Like, there's some housewives on it that I'm not familiar with. But uh, oh, Lamar Odom. Oh, Ooh, that's okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's dude, it's a trip. It's, Even taking a, the pinky toe that it just took into this world, I I've already like feel overwhelmed. <laughs> so I'm good. Todd Br- no, Todd Bridges, isn't it? You know, Will- Willis. So I'm like, what is happening? And then some. Um, yeah, these poor people. I'm like, oh, either way, it's Big Brother and I love it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. But yeah, that's Thank it. You. What about Thank you? you for th- uh, I have watched a few things this week. Um, I'll start with something old. Um, I have never seen this movie, but I watched The Mighty Quinn with Denzel Washington this mm-hmm. week. 
um, from like 1989. This is like it's set in a Caribbean, an unnamed Caribbean island. He plays he plays a cop who investigates this kind of murder mystery that's going on. This movie is like really great. Like this is like, I feel like this is an underrepresented movie in the Denzel Washington canon. Like he's excellent in it, and it's like it's not just a detective movie. It's like a buddy comedy, kind of a musical and a drama like it has like a lot of things going on and it just really works it comes together really well you have robert townsend in here which i was really happy to see like he's like the co-lead of this movie uh it's a solid like mystery story uh it just has like a lot of good stuff going for it i was i was really surprised by how much i like the the mighty quinn uh i'm happy to shout it out now among the denzel washington films it fits right in with like his his like uh, these like uh detective um non-prestige films like uh devil in a blue dress and out of time like just these kind of like hmm. thrillers that he made that i i think are incredibly solid uh but aren't like the the things that you play the oscar clips for necessarily uh, so yeah uh some new films that i saw uh first up catch the fair one uh, this is coming out friday um from the time of this recording it features uh, Kali Reyes, a an ex boxer, a Native American woman, who in the, the she she co-developed the story for this, but she, it's a film about her trying to find her missing sister, and it's a very gritty thriller. And I don't want to give too much else away beyond that, but like the film has, it's quite intense. And hmm. I, I was in, I was in for for a a a, 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 a novice actor. Um, she does a, a great job here of kind of holding this thing together. Uh, but it gets into some like dark territory as far as like what's going on in this kind of like minor mob world that she becomes involved in, in, in this search that she has, uh, but a very good movie. Uh, it's just pretty gritty. Uh, another film I saw is indemnity. This is a South African action movie uh, featuring this guy, Jared Gildold, um, who plays an ex firefighter whose wife is murdered and he's being framed for it. So it's basically like a fugitive style plot. Hmm. Um, it's an action movie. And the thing that like helps it stand out, like the plot is pretty like fine. Like it's doing things that you've kind of seen before, but the act, the main actor, he does all his own stunts. And it's as the film builds, you see more and more like stuff taking place it's like oh this this is pretty intense how like where this is from where this started versus where this kind of goes and again like it has too much of a familiar plot to be like oh my god this this story just really like took me back but like the the things that the uh, the the lead gets involved with is like oh, okay like i can appreciate the you can like you can see the effort going on to like make certain set pieces work and other elements that like help it like stand out as its own like action thing um, in a way that it, that was impressive, so uh, that's indemnity that's coming soon as well. Is, is is this the one you texted me about? Yes, I did. I did. So yeah, sorry to say I haven't gotten around to it, but um, yeah. I have seen I have seen Catch the Fair one. I, I uh, second your endorsement. Um, have you? Have, have sorry, sorry, I didn't mention it when it was my turn, but it reminds me because a couple weeks ago I saw it. This uh, Scott Atkins action film called One Shot. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it. No. Nobody else. It's so great. I think I've heard of it. I haven't I've, seen it. I've heard good things. I'm not the biggest Scott Atkins guy, so I don't go out of my way. <laughs> like it's like when it comes around, maybe I'll check it out. But, uh... Oh, why not? He's perfectly dreamy. <laughs> but um, 
it's like it's all it's the idea is that it's all shot within i mean it's designed to 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 resemble a one-shot film correct uh it to my mind it only has one really obvious sort of hidden cut i think for the most part it's it's an actual series of real oneers um and it's Mm -hmm. it's just really ambitious and terrific highly recommend cool all right that's enough cookies perfect uh, let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our first of two reviews for Jackass Forever. The world waited for what felt like forever. Then we waited longer. But this February, we promise this is gonna be the gnarliest shit ever. The wait is over. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. <laughs> when you get knocked down, you gotta get back up. If they trust us to go to the bathroom, they're less intelligent than I thought. in the drawer, but I know enough. Gotta be tough. You're still blowing people up. As if life's not hard enough. This guy's one badass dude, right? Oh, man, I'm on Jackass. It's a Texas rat snake. Venomous? All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Jackass Forever. Jackass began back in 2000 with three seasons of only 25 episodes. It returned in movie form in 2002, again in 2006, and once more in 2010 in 3D. Over a decade later, Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, and the boys have returned and even brought along some new, younger recruits to diversify the group, as well as make up for how old they all are now. What follows is another series of stunts ranging from physical pain to gross-out fests to elaborate pranks. One thing is for sure, these folks have a lot of fun going through this stuff, no matter how many concussions and psychological torture they must endure. Mike, as I recall... You did not watch trailers for Jackass, even when we had you on the show to talk about things, which included the trailer for Jackass, because you wanted to preserve the surprise of some of the gags and whatnot going down. That makes me think that you are a Jackass fan, but are, what is your, your fandom for this series? What did you think of this film? Uh, my history with Jackass, so I, I never watched the show. Um, I'm not even sure at what point I was even aware of it, since I didn't grow up in the States. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I've seen loads of clips sort of out of context from the show, but I think I probably encountered the films first and then went backwards, which is, of course, why the TV show clips always felt a bit tame by comparison to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the wider sort of connected universe of Jackass, which includes the sort of skateboarding video culture of the 90s, that stuff is completely foreign to me. But uh, I do enjoy uh, the, the, the franchise quite a bit i think they're genuinely funny and interesting and as for this film you're right so i I avoided trailers and i was actually uh i think i was correct because i I looked at the trailer after seeing the film and they they give away too much as trailers tend to do especially given that so many of the pranks in this one are involve the characters thinking they're in some kind of scenario and then they pull a switcheroo on them midway through (laughs) Like some of those reveals are given away in the trailer, which I think is a shame, even though that's common practice. So um, 
so this film, so I'm actually have two minds about it because I can't quite decide whether it's like a pretty middle of the road jackass project or it's possibly their best film. Um, so I say middle of the road because like there was nothing that didn't work for me. I, I was pretty consistently entertained all the way through. And if I wasn't laughing, I was at least amused. But at the same time, none of the bits really rose for me to the level of some of my favorites from the earlier films. I didn't think the climactic sequence was all that memorable for one. For one. But on the other hand, um, it does strike me that I think what makes Jackass work as a franchise and as a brand is that at the end of the day, it has a lot of heart, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something really endearing and even infectious about these guys who are mostly these off putting misshapen weirdos who come to form this like they, they they all come and they form this makeshift family and it's really this is all just like a hangout movie right yeah i always felt yeah. i laughed the hardest i always laughed the hardest at watching them lose themselves in laughter at each other um regardless of what the stunt entails the, the sort of bts element of it and as someone who always liked that for that that for lack of a better term that human aspect of it I thought this might be kind of the greatest one or, or it, it's reaching towards something new and interesting because it's the first one that has these guys openly address their vulnerabilities and the realities of getting older and aging out of this type of lifestyle and, and passing the torch, as you mentioned, to, to a new generation. And that stuff, I think, really resonated with me and gave this film like a layer of charm and connection that was like kind of poignant. So I'll, I'll stop there for now, but so I'm, I'm thumbs up on it. Alan, how about you? Where are you with the Jack Eyes franchise in this film? Um, I used to, I never skateboarded, but I was like, I tried to once or twice, but I was so big and not athletic that I just couldn't do it. Um, no coordination on my end, but I was, I did watch CKY videos. I did watch the Big Brother stuff when they were putting it out. So I knew who all these guys were when they released the Jackass show. And it was, I, I was, I was not necessarily day one, but I was like, like they had the jackass show i knew who these guys were i was in it so i was a fan from the beginning i just thought they were so funny and i always kind of i never like did any of the stunts that they did because i was kind of a you know a wimp but i have been a fan of jackass since high school like since as long as i can remember and when they announced they were doing another one i was stoked um so this was this is nice because I'm almost 40, which stresses me out, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 37. I watched these guys when I was a child and now I see them getting older. I'm getting older. So it kind of had like this sense of, I, I was relating a lot with them and how they were feeling and how they were, you know, they're like in their almost late forties and fifties. So I'm like, yeah, man, I get you. I'm going to be there soon. And I get it. And then seeing all these new kids kind of made me mad. Cause I'm like, I would have done it. You could ask me, I mean, I'm 37, but I would have done it. I would have, I would have jumped in there. I don't mind. I don't mind taking a hit or two and having friends laugh at me because, like Mike was saying, that's that's a good human element to these movies. It's I have noticed as I've got older with my um, my viewing and stuff because I also watch reality shows and I watch wrestling. I feel that sincerity and being genuine is very important, and I feel like if it looks like someone is enjoying themselves and having fun and really having a good time, then I'm going to have a good time. And I feel like all these guys, even though they take their bumps, they get cut and they get hurt. They're always having fun and they're always around other people that they want to be around and they are just having a good time. And it's always good natured. It's always, you know, they're, they're hitting each other in, in, in the giblets, but it's always a sweet 
like gesture because then they're going to get him back later so it's always like i don't know what that is about dudes and bros and maybe like we just like seeing people get hurt like fail army is big on the internet like yeah i, I get it and i i want to pretend that i'm like oh, i'm above it i'm not because that shit's still funny to me i like it it's silly i'm not trying to impress anybody it's fun and i I, I don't, I was watching and I was coming out. I had a huge smile on my face and I don't remember having that much of a fun, lighthearted and amusing experience in the theater in years. It's probably the best theater experience I've had in years. There were only like five other people in the theater with me, but they were all laughing. <laughs> and I think it was, I saw like an older couple and their kids and their kids were there. And they were, it was like a family film, like what is happening? But especially with the, with the paddle, paddle sequence i'm like you're gonna have your daughter like two like like young daughters are watching this i'm like i mean that's cool like good on you fam but there were like some like like when mike was saying the ending bit didn't hit as much as some of the other ones but it was it was still nice it was still fun um i it kind of cemented that johnny knoxville could do anything he's so charismatic and he's so fun and he really is the star of the series and it just I don't know. I mean, I could just talk about this and just gush over this movie because I just love the franchise, love the IP. I'm happy they're back. I want to go see it again. And I was really stoked to be asked to do this podcast. I'm like, I'm down. Let's talk about this movie. Uh, what do you guys think? Hey, how about you? What do you think? Yeah. I, like, I'm aware that you have a Steve-O tattoo on your back as well. I do. Yeah, it's um, it's on my uh, shoulder blades. Um, <laughs> it's almost like a it's like a last name, like on the NFL jersey. Just a Steve O. Um, I had the Jackass logo tattooed on my palm. Um, it hurt a lot, um, mm-hmm. as Alan knows. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I also had. I got, a, a, I, got the, um, I got the logo tattooed on my balls. So I'm right there. Oh right no! <laughs> you you went up for me. I can't I can't beat that. Uh, but as far as like the Jackass universe goes, I I've been on the fringe of it. Not to say that I didn't want to get into it. It's just more that. Um, you know, I had other things going on like with the Chappelle show or whatever else uh, that was taking more of my attention. As far as like the movies go, I've been into the movies because they pretty much are just like a quick summary. Like you could go through them in an hour and 40 minutes and then um, knock out like pretty much all that you'd missed in the like, I forget how many seasons of the show that they did, like three, three. five, seven. Yeah, three. Um, and so I for the movies. For this particular movie, Jackass Forever, I think that there is an, everything that Mike and Alan are saying um, that is very true. Like the stunts, I think I enjoy some of the stunts in Jackass 2 more. But the thing is, like, if you were to like break down the stunts into like uh, whatever they might be, whether that's like um, Johnny and his bulls or, um, you know, toilet stunts or bathroom stunts, and then also just like regular pranks, just like, you know, they're just busting each other's balls or literally tasing each other. That actually just adds a lot of like camaraderie to the movie, which yeah. I, I find very charming. And I can't really escape and say like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, this one, some of these stunts weren't as fun as the other ones, but they were also like 10 years younger in the in the yeah. previous ones, you know, 15 years younger. And it's been very fascinating to see the evolution of all these folks, you know, whether that's Steve going to rehab, getting help, kind of became clean and sober. Knoxville has been doing the press tour for this movie and he was on Howard Stern recently. And he's just, he's been very open about, you know, how he wants his children to see him and what he would, and would not want his children to do. And he's talked about openly about his 
you know, uh, injuries from all these films as well. So it's been just really nice to be to to kind of watch these friends come together, find like this new ragtag group of folks, and kind of do these pranks on each other. And I I really found that to be the the nicest part of this movie. Again, Mike, you hit on the head where I found some of these stunts. They're very like, you know, um, I don't I would I don't want to say run of the mill, but they're they're definitely like for the age of 49 to 50 year old people. And then when they can't do it, then they'll just have the other people do it. But it's just really fun to see. It's like, it's like getting back together with your buddies and having like, you know, a beer and just talking about the old times and maybe you guys would do something, but then you also have like these, these folks here to help you out. So um, I generally still enjoyed, you know, uh, like the anxiety that some of these people had <laughs> when you're watching like, um, when you're watching like uh, Dave, like, you know, freak out uh, and have anxiety, panic attacks or Aaron do the same thing. It's really, it's, I don't want to say that it's like, it, it doesn't like, thrill me, but it really gives you the sense of like, no, this is for real. Like they're doing this for real. It's, it's in a controlled environment. Yes. But it's also very thrilling. And I guess like you can't really take your eyes off of it. And that's what makes it, um, you know, a, a jackass stunt. But overall, like it's kind of just more that, I'm glad these guys are sort of like kind of hanging things up and it's just fun to see everybody uh, back together. I, um, yeah, it is. Hmm? No, no, I was, I was agreeing. I was like, yeah, it is. I, um, like, yes, I'm a jackass fan. I, I, as I've seen the show and the movies, but it's where that I don't like, go. I don't go to it very like i don't revisit these very often i mm-hmm. see clips now and again but it's not something where i'm like i need to keep watching that jackass if i'm looking for like a comedy to watch um that said i do you know when these come along i'm more than happy to take them in uh, in particular i really like 3d i've talked about mm-hmm. that one many times just because i do think both the 3d is very impressive um because they shot in 3d but also the stunts they were doing there is like it turned into like these weird pieces of performance art that I really admired. Just the way the setups were arranged to kind of resemble bits of pop culture. It's just like, it's something that always stuck with me. Um, so like the prospect of seeing another one of these, first off, it's interesting that like the closest comparison as far as films go is like Michael Apted's up series when it comes to jackass hmm, at this point, it's <laughs> so just like watching the, the aging evolution of these guys. Uh, but as far as this, you know, as this film goes, yeah, like it delivers the laugh. Like I'm never not amused or laughing hard at some of the things that are taking place. There's a skit called Silence of the Lambs in particular that made me laugh the hardest. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Largely because of something Chris Pontius does that's revealed within that skit that just killed me. Um, but overall, if it has to if it has to do with uh, Chris Pontius being nude, you're gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when he when he's pulling a Buffalo Bill, I was like, "That's funny." That was so <laughs> fucking funny. Was just because so it came funny. out, of, it came out of nowhere. And it got me. <laughs> um, but like, you guys aren't wrong as far as like, there's a familiarity to some of these skits, and that's sometimes on purpose. They even show split screens at points to like show how deliberate uh, some of the callbacks are to previous stunts and films. Um, but like, you one can't deny that yes, there is this sense of camaraderie and positive male bonding that i really appreciate that see and i don't know if it feels more apparent this time just because they've slowed down a bit because yes they are all an average age of 50 but it does feel like there's 
more of an effort to show the endearing qualities of these guys as opposed to just the revelry, which is nothing. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but like because like not only have these guys grown up, but all of us have grown up too. It feels it's interesting to like watch this now and have a, a an extra layer of introspection going on and seeing like what these guys are going through. At the same time, there's just a lot of ludicrous stuff going on. That's exactly what they've been doing all along. Like there's not <laughs> the the sensibilities haven't changed all that much, despite how aware they might be of their own <laughs> their their own um mortality <laughs> at this point. Um, I do like the hodgepodge nature of it in in terms of Johnny Knoxville. You know, at this point, he has gray hair or silver hair, mm-hmm. and you. But you see throughout the movie that it's you know it goes back and forth depending on mm-hmm. when they started filming. There was a shutdown during COVID, so they had to stop at certain points. Um, and as I've learned, he's been dyeing his hair for years. He grayed really early, and he just stopped after a while. But it, it like just seeing the like thinking about like directorially what the choices are being made to put this all together. It is interesting to like try to not necessarily see an arc. But see, like how they, how Jeff Tremaine and the editors, like how they try to like put this thing together, um, regardless of like when they film certain stunts or what have you. Like all of that, just I just find it like to be fascinating. Like the, the humor is there, so it's like what else is there to like get into when it comes to a jackass movie, which is what I was in, interested in when I was like, how do I write a review about this? And it's just thinking about like the choices being made, and it does come down to like, yeah, it's neat to see these stunts to varying degrees. I certainly like the pranks and physical endurance rounds more so than the scatological areas that this film explores. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. that's, that's just me, I guess. But uh, but, but also, yes, the, the idea that you have these guys, and we can talk more about the new people as well, but like you have this crew that's still together, that's still like cannot stop, cannot get over like the amount of the amusement they get from, you know, torturing each other and yet it's it's all very it's you know it's like it's not mean you know there's something there that that's always been a case in this where like they give as good as they get they're always high-fiving and hugging each other afterwards like there's no like there's no malice intended here and i just it it really stuck out this time in a way that I, i made it made it feel like you're saying mike i don't know if this is their best effort but it's something that like gave it an added quality that i appreciated yeah, and I should point out, there's nothing that they sacrifice either, even though there's sort of an added concern about whether they're getting too old for it. But I mean, they still maintain a balance between like the gross out stuff, which is like the certain people in the cast who are specialists in that, and then the more stunt or the more stunt oriented yeah, you can, stuff. You can like, like you can split up these guys as far as yeah, like yeah. What, I mean, like, what they tend to deal with the most. Well, <laughs> You're like, definitely yeah, going like, to see some nudity from Steve or Chris. Like Knox is basically a Looney Tunes character smashing into things all the time. Just yeah. real quick though, I wanted to add an observation because I was wondering too, like what is going on with Knoxville's hair? Because he's back and forth between jet black and like just dashing silver, right? I, I think the white hair really does suit him. It actually does, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It looks good, yeah. But it, it's weird, What whatever the explanation is, um, that back and forth, it struck me as interesting. It does tie into the theme of the movie, which is that these guys are sort of stuck in this in-between zone between aging out but also still engaging and trying to hold on to their youth in a certain way or their, their kind of juvenile behavior of it so I agree. it's like thematically ties in i agree with you and i think that's what's interesting about that is 
there are a lot of writers on this. Like, and I understand that that maybe doesn't seem necessary, but there are a lot of writers on these things. And I don't think that's necessarily as far as like the structure of this film goes, but as far as like the concepts of the concepts of the stunts or what have you. But it is like that. And the fact that Spike Jones has always been involved with this. Right. I don't think that's going over the heads of any of these guys. The idea that the film is, you know, moving bits and pieces of time around. I, I, there's something there that I don't know how to identify, and they certainly don't seem to get into it ever in these interviews, but there, there's a deliberateness to why it's structured a certain way and why we're seeing certain things at a certain time. And that, and obviously, I, like, the, the opening set piece and everything, that, that's the most Spike Jones influence, but, I mean, there's, there's, more, there's just more going on than I think it gets credit for. I, I don't know. I always kind of saw it like the stunts and the pranks were always set up like a playlist, like a set list for a band. Uh-huh. So like, okay, well, this is the new album. We just got to put it together. It doesn't really matter because the sequence doesn't matter. It's like, what, what will get us the big pop at the end? What will get us the big pop at the beginning? Because we spent the most money on both of those. And then I think from that, it's always a flow of big laugh. Like, I think they always try to, I think the intent is always try to spread out like the scale humor to the stunts. So it's not stuff like back to back to back. Sure. sure. I think. I don't know. That's kind of what I was I mean, thinking during the movie. Like, this is great, but I, I agree. I mean, the, I agree that there's was, a there's a logic as far as like the entertainment value and variety. Yeah. I I just I don't think Mike's too off base as far as thinking there could be a little bit like extra thought going into the timing of when these things happen and like how to how to, how to, how to assemble that too. Well, I think this thing is way more controlled and thought through. So, so one thing with this experience that I found really fascinating is because the Jackass brand, right. Has this carefree gonzo quality to it, but it's also worth remembering. This is all happening under the purview of safe business practices, um, a sort of provided by an actual studio infrastructure that looms over everything. Right. So what I found really interesting was watching all the behind the scenes stuff where people are wearing COVID masks Mm -hmm. right like people need to be insured and all that and i just found it so fascinating to see and ironic to see crew members wearing covid masks ostensibly (laughs) to protect they're there to protect people's safety while shooting sequences they're all about abandoning any pretense of safety (laughs) right so i I thought that the movie i don't want to say inadvertently they they decided what stays in the final cut but they do kind of give us a bigger glimpse than i think they have in the past of the sort of studio structure around the making of these films so the same goes for all the times you hear cast members warning themselves hey don't kick the animals be careful not to hurt the animals right, right. that's a like they, they they i think they have a lot more restrictions and a lot more control going on than the, the brand yeah. seems to suggest well right. i think there was even about the animals i think PETA is going to file a lawsuit against paramount pictures because there was a there was a stunt with bees with steve-o and allegedly some bees were killed during the filming of that stunt. I mean, the message at the end of the movie assured me that no animals were harmed during the making. That's of the what film. I heard. <laughs> I, mean, like... I mean, that bear was taken care of and gentle. It was fine. Yeah, that bear handler but... came in and said, "I've got to get in there," and he did. Yeah. yeah. And then the bear. I'm like, actually. Oh, leaving? I'm actually most skeptical about that scene. I, I really <laughs> wonder whether or not because I think uh, Aaron is that. He's Aaron, the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, his his yeah his reaction seems real genuine. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I I wonder if there's that much care being placed in terms of making sure the animals aren't harmed that you would just thrust someone in that situation and give them a freak out without sort of maybe pausing filming and we're like, hey, so we're gonna keep filming. Make sure not to do this. Make sure to do this. Like I, I think given 
I think we're how underestimating much... how well you can train a bear. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's if they can drive cars, I mean, they can. What? <laughs> Just the whole the whole thing. Um, the whole thing. The whole brand is about anarchy and lacking common sense, but. Mm-hmm. That that is actually it's interesting to see how actually heavily regulated and controlled it is to be able to produce that effect. And so sure. I I yeah the the bear is my biggest question mark in terms of how did you film this in a way that was actually safe? I mean the only thing well, I'm hearing also... is that they're really good at their job. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting out of this. Yeah. But also Aaron was strapped down; he couldn't move. So I'm wondering, like, I, I mean, I could see I could see how maybe the first first reaction of the bear coming out is like, all right, Aaron, he's fine. Just don't. Don't do anything. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> but then, like, he tried to bite his hand, and it was like, no, he wasn't. He was giving you a kiss. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that was. You could see that he's like close closing his fist or his hand to make a fist. Yeah, and he's just trying he to like, save all fingers. Um, but yeah. Mike, about your your point about all the safety stuff. I mean, I, I it's the mask things are great, but I think you know throughout the entirety of the series as well, the movies certainly there have been medics on staff that you've seen come onto the picture and. This one is no different. And I think that there's just really a sense of like, hey, you know, we definitely have learned from our mistakes where teenagers were starting to do this pre-YouTube and we just don't want to have any more lawsuits. So let's try to make this like as super safe as possible. We mentioned, you know, during our uh, freeform trailer talk that there's like two warning messages uh, in this movie too, right? I mean, I'm sure that there's warning messages in the other ones that are also um, just as explicit, but it's always been the same. Yeah. But uh, my point is just that, you know, safety is like, I agree with you that they've just been much more like, they're really conscious of having to show that like Lance is wearing a mask and he's throwing up in one and asking for like a new N95 mask. You know what I mean? Um, So it's, it's cool to have them say like, Hey, like really guys, like we have a ton of equipment here that, and people staff that are here to help us out here. Please don't do anything stupid on your own. In it, in addition to this, and I, what I've read is that they spent like a million dollars of their ten million dollar budget on the COVID protocols alone. But the the efforts to keep these things contained wow. and safe also comes down to the fact that they keep it within themselves, right? These right. aren't even in the show. Like there were things going on within the public, but they're still pranks surrounding themselves and getting gauging the, you know, the reactions over actually going after people. Yeah. It's always been about pranking each other or doing things yeah. that are, you know, not affected, not harming anybody else. And that's very much the case here as well. And I do think that that, that, you know, that gives you, a, that gives a certain kind of like per, that, that adds to the camaraderie aspect, but it adds a certain mm-hmm. personal touch as well, as far as, what we're trying to do here, which is, you know, entertain people by, <laughs> by destroying each other. And it, it's, it, um, but even when they are trying to do things to other people, whether that are bystanders in a furniture store or a secondhand shop, or um, even Eric Andre, like they're not doing anything super harmful. I think the most harmful thing goes to like Tyler, the creator, but that in itself is like, Still, no, they're not all, as bad as like, they're all in on the they're in on things are yeah. going to happen. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. part of the thing. Like, yeah, it's right. like the well, Machine Gun Kelly, and Machine Gun. I mean, but these are like more like again. I for the I think about the Eric Andre ones. Like these are just like pranks that they all laugh at. But to your point, Aaron, I don't think that anyone. I, I'm sure that they never asked Eric Andre to be like, "Hey, do you want to like get your lips stung by a scorpion?" <laughs> and they're like, "No, we're not going to ask." Like. You know, and a friend of ours like do that. That's just for our crew, kind of thing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I imagine they, they, you know, there's a certain stipulation, like what we are willing to go through or whatnot that they <laughs> take on. But what I, what I like about this, what I like about the, you know, keeping it contained is that you do, it does keep up that level. It doesn't, it doesn't fall into being mean because you're not, you know, going after others in this case. And it's sure. in this realm of like prank type movies or things like that. This puts it in, in more, much more in league with something like Bad Trip from last year, which is which is you know you gauge the public's reaction to these things but it's still about the main people that are involved compared to something like borat which is about going after basically people in reality to some degree well this is why i'm i'm i've got some questions and i'm just you know i'm not knocking the film i'm just genuinely curious about how they pulled some of these things off because it's like it's like abe says you know eric andre comes on or or anybody any one day cast member comes on and says okay i'm signing up for this i understand i'm going to be jumping off a ledge onto some cacti. Um, that's what I'm signed up for. But while I'm there, I realize that someone might come up behind me and like tase me or, or <clears throat> you know, knock me over or something like that because I get it. I'm on a jackass film set. People are joshing around. I, but when it comes to, I thought I was signing up for this, but what's actually going to happen is you're going to put me alone in a room with a dangerous animal. <laughs> that's a whole nother level, right? And, sure. and to me, it's, it's not that I don't believe the jackass guys would pull it off. I'm, I'm skeptical that Paramount would be okay with that without some kind of um, real strict controls over the situation that don't make it on screen. And so I'm kind of just sort of uh, mildly curious about what negotiations might have happened behind that. I, I, I don't, I'm skeptical that it plays out exactly as it does. I feel like I feel like the answer you're seeking is similar to asking like how a magician does his trick. It's like, sure, you can get the answer, but it's just not very exciting and just, yeah. just ruins everything. <laughs> like it's, just, it's like there's no satisfaction from getting a, a real answer for that. Like, it, well, it, I'll put it this way, though. I think that this question of like how scripted is this? I think mm -hmm. that's that's a real. And then, of course, uh, uh, by extension, how much control do they have? What kind of safety precautions are they taking that we may or may not know about? Um, I think that, that brings up this interesting, it, it intersects in an interesting way for me with, the, with, with, with something that I've always thought of the franchise, which is that the more scripted the bits are, the less they resonate with me. It's not that they feel inauthentic, but I feel like, um, you know, the, the moments that I tend to laugh the most feel like the unscripted ones, right? Where they just lose their shit and start laughing. And, and sure. sometimes that stuff is funnier than the gag itself, right? Because they really do take, they take care to give you all three steps of physical comedy. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's me doing it. And then here's what I just did. And so the setup and the aftershock are often like funnier than the actual gag, which is why the, the behind the scenes elements of showing their crew members vomiting or seeing the welts on their bodies, that stuff is just as important as whatever the joke is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so for me, like the opening sequence, the big, very elaborate scripted special effects sequence, with the, <laughs> which the, seems the, like it was catering to me as far as making it a kaiju movie, but go on. Yeah. yeah but you know, okay. The, the penisaurus, uh, how it douses everyone in semen. Okay. So to me, that was nowhere near as funny because you can picture people sitting around going like, hey, you know what would be gnarly is if we spray everyone with this manufactured goo. But then the parallel to this much later in the film is when they have actual pig semen. And oh. Chris Pontius, in what appears to be a very spontaneous moment, decides to take a swig. And that's like only a fraction of what we see sprayed on everybody in the beginning, but it's an unscripted moment. And that gulp is like a thousand times more cringe-inducing than anything in the opening scene. 
Oh, yeah. yeah what's right, the so, ease you in with the opening scene before you get to the insane thing? Yeah. <laughs> right. But that, that to me, that's the that's the difference in the franchise overall, which I guess sure. between the, the scripted stuff and the uh, the really unscripted spontaneous and, and seemingly sort of, spontaneous. And stuff. just to piggyback off like the unscripted stuff, that's sort of what I was talking about earlier when I'm saying like it's really fascinating to watch them cut to Steve O saying, like, I don't want to see Johnny like in this in the ring with the bull. He's always nervous whenever Johnny is like yeah. with any bull. And that actually adds to the I, Again, it's not like that. I have like a weird masochistic uh, desire to see like people get hurt. But one of those things where it, it adds to the thrill factor or like you, the excitement factor or, you know, the, yeah. the factor it adds to the it. tension that, of it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like when you see like, I, I can't remember whose hand shakes the most in this. It's either uh, it's either Aaron or um, or uh, Dave. But it's like, you know, when, it, when you see their hand shaking because they're so nervous of a stunt, it's like, whoa, you know, I'm getting nervous now. But <laughs> Um, that really adds to the whole entire like I I I hear what you're saying with the scripted versus non-scripted. And I again I like what's so fun about the Jackass series is that there often are like duplic duplicative efforts going on, right? It's like, hey, by the way, we're gonna like have you pretend to be like um this guy traveling in a taxi cab with a famed director from the super troopers, but then we're gonna like turn the tables on you and we're gonna prank you in another way which is a hilarious prank altogether, right? Um, so bit, they do yeah. have that here yeah, with like even the Science of the Lambs prank here. And like that's why it's always fun to see them on their toes. But yes, to your point, like I don't know how many of them are scripted necessarily, but I would say like not, not a lot. Well, I guess I'm just wondering like outside the bear thing, like what else falls into this category? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, right. I would have a hard time like trying to figure out like which well, everything else is were... pretty like I, I, and i feel if you're part of the main cast you're gonna sign a waiver that just waves everything you're gonna deal with animals you're gonna deal with shocks you're gonna deal with this you're gonna deal with this like just to kind of get it out of the way because if you notice giant knoxville has is a menace behind the scenes of this yeah. thing with the yes he just has a stun gun on him he's, like, he is <laughs> uh, like there's like they probably like listen johnny's here we just gotta have everybody sign the waiver that if anything happens on the set whatever it is we got him and like yeah. you know, Eric Andre never really was putting put himself. They didn't put him or Tyler or Machine Gun Kelly into a position where it dealt with an, an animal or anything else other than like right. an airbag. Yeah, exactly. but all the other kids like um, they had a Jasper, one of the new additions, Jasper's dad, in there was the tarantula, and I think it was scripted that he was going to get in the seat, but his reactions were priceless. He was terrified. He let's, was let's... terrified. Let's and, talk and, about these guys. Let's talk about this new group. Yeah. Just very quickly on that yeah. one. Like, the, the thing about that scene too is that you could definitely see Aaron like gripping onto onto uh his dad to um what's his name? Shark Dark Shark Dark Shark Dark Shark. You could see like Aaron like being like, dude, I'm here for you too. Like I know this sucks, but don't worry, we're gonna like we're not gonna let you get hurt, kind of thing. And that was really fascinating to see on the screen. Like they never address it. But you definitely see them like, hey, man, like, don't worry. Just calm down. We're going to get this off of you as soon as we can. Um, but yes, you're right. That like there's there's within the core group of guys and their new add ons, which we'll get to. Um, those are the guys doing like the major hardcore things. Everybody else is kind of doing like fairly like simplistic. You know, the worst you're going to do is like get wet on a cold day and we'll give you a, a bathroom. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the, the new additions. Uh, to yeah. this cast i mean for one thing i mean the the most notable aspect for me is, is as far as these people go is that what well, you have people of color and a woman uh coming into the yep. crew for the first time ever um but it, 
I mean, the things that they're doing, they're, you know, the standard type of stuff. They're, you know, going up, doing like, you know, skateboarding or whatnot into crazy situations or slip and slide stuff or getting stung by scorpions. Standard things that people do in their lives. Was there there any elements of this that like stuck out to you? How do you mean? As far as like, as far as like incorporating new people into them, did any like leave an impression? I think... I, I think they all kind of left one. I kind of wanted more with the British uh, black kid. I, I think his name was Eric. Eric, yeah. Yeah, I liked him, but I didn't get to see enough of him. Mm-hmm. Jasper was fine. Uh, I think Poopies is the one that gets the most screen time because he was the one that was like willing just to do whatever. I believe he and uh, Zach, Zach Holmes, they they like have their own Jackass-style show also. And so oh, do they? Yeah. That makes sense where they came from. Right. And then Rachel was cool. I, I think I, I she had some memorable bits, but I don't think she was in it enough. I don't know. I, I feel like they were there, but it was more like they were very much supporting cast for the main crew. It was sure. fine. I just and, and like, you know, six months from now we'll get Jackass four point five on Yeah. I believe that that's actually coming out like on Netflix. So like you'll have like the other stuff that they also did that they didn't show sure. in the movie. Can't wait. Yeah. I so the one, I, yeah, Poopies and and who's it? Zach? Is that his Zach, name? Yeah, yeah, Zach yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah, they really seem like they were the the best fit for what Jackass has been up till now. <laughs> um, the one, the the one new cast member that really didn't work for me was actually Rachel. Um, I think given that the franchise has been almost exclusively guys uh, and exclusively white guys, for them to cast a new batch of people and to make sure to include a woman, that makes perfect sense. It's decade appropriate, I think. Also, there's a lot of potential, right? To see what kinds of stunts or pranks can be more geared toward like lady specific stuff. I'm, I'm not sure what that might be, but there could be some interesting potential there. But I think this particular person, um, I, I don't think she contributed much beyond that, I'm sorry to say tokenism, because I think what didn't work for me is that she's too stoic. Like there's that moment when she's being stung on the lips by a scorpion and she's just like remarkably calm through the whole thing. Unlike say Aaron with the bear or dark, yeah dark shark with the tarantula you can just tell where they're like struggling to hold it together and like i was saying earlier i think the jackass formula works best because it always takes time to show people just really like resentful and terrified of having to do things and to this point i think preston preston lacy has the best i hate this why are you making me do this face of them all he just looks miserable at some points, right? And yeah. and to me, Rachel doesn't display any of these emotions. And, and <laughs> I like yeah. that the fact that she kept her composure is what bothers you. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm not saying I wanted to hear her shrieking and screaming, but I think she was too far in the other direction. And I think she was, she, she performed some of these stunts really ably, but without contributing to what's, I think, the actual secret sauce of the franchise, which is the, I don't actually want to do this element that makes it so relatable. Because otherwise, it's just a geek show, you know? Interesting. Yeah, I hear you on that. My, my takeaway w- from the new cast was that, wow, we've really raised a generation that has really grown up with Jackass. Um, I, Jasper, I've seen on Odd World, or I'm sorry, Odd, Odd Future, and he's yeah. been around with Tyler a lot in his press uh, tours and kind of just like acts as like, you know, a, a side character, uh, even on that. So Jasper is just like, that's fine. It's Jasper. Um, as far as like the others go, yes, like it's fascinating to see them just zach and uh uh poopies <laughs> oh, the, the name. Wait, really quick on the yeah. name when he first introduces himself as poopies i'm like that's stupid but by the end of it i'm like hey it's poopies you become very familiar <laughs> right yeah it's like hey it's poopies i know hey it's poopies 
Yeah, but essentially just that I, wow, you know, you guys have definitely done your own thing. Like this is not shocking to anybody that is like going to be joining the cast as, as to what you're going to be doing because you've seen it for like two decades or a decade and a half kind of thing. So yeah, um, fascinating just to see that that uh, the new generation kind of step in. There are some members that are not in this film. Um, obviously, Ryan Dunn, he was killed in a car crash 10 years ago at this point, which is, you know, so it's not going to be around here. But the other notable member that's not here is it's Bam Margera. Him. Yeah. Bam Margera, what's, the, who, what's the official story on that? Uh, I'm getting, I'm going to, yeah, he yeah. was he was involved <laughs> in the initial production when they were shooting. And you can even see him in a couple skits at various points in the film. Oh, he's weird. Not, He's not a oh. like the the marching band one is the one you can see him in. Uh, he's not, a, oh. he's not, but he's not addressed in any way because obviously they cut him out. But the thing was he he didn't keep his sobriety. That's what the reported thing is, and mm-hmm. he just the 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 mood of this of the scene that everyone was going with. He just wasn't riding that same uh, that same train apparently, and broke his sobriety and all kinds of other drama that we don't have all the specifics on started happening. So he was fired from the production. So when they you know, when they after the, the the COVID shutdown, when they got back, he just wasn't in part of it anymore. Um, so he's not here this time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but I know Bam is. I feel like more controversial of a cast member than the other crew. Like I feel like some people really like Bam, and some people really don't. He's divisive for sure. I, I guess divisive is the right word. I don't have strong feelings, but I'm not. I, I. Um, I'm not a big Bam fan, <laughs> and so I don't like Bam, and I'm glad he wasn't in it, and I didn't miss him. That's what I'm leading to because I do think, yeah. as talking about the kind of bonding aspect of the camaraderie, I do think part of why that sticks out is because there isn't this, you know, more mischievous is a light word to put it, but that kind of force also involved with the rest of this crew, where the other guys tend to feel more fun loving than Bam, and there's. <laughs> There's a reason why, like in Jackass number two, when Bam gets tossed to a snake pit as a prank, yeah. we all really celebrate that <laughs> and like yeah. really like seeing him get tortured that way versus, uh, <laughs> you know, others that, you know, you feel bad for. Bam, you're like, yeah, he kind of deserves that. Like, there's just something there <laughs> that feels more offended. But am I, am I, it sounds like, Alan, you're pretty much in agreement with me. Do you guys have a. I don't like the way he treated his parents. I don't, I just, I never liked the dude. I think he's just full of shit and full of himself. And then I never really thought he brought anything to. Like he, it was his skate video, CKY, that was the introduction to like Ryan Dunn and all those other people and that side of the crew. But like, I just don't think he brought anything to the Jackass movies more than just like being a name and coming up with some, like, I think he came up with some messed up ideas, but I don't think he ever was the, the, the component I liked the best or anything that was fun to watch. Yeah. Alan, Alan summed it up pretty well there. I think whenever I think about Bam in the skits, I'm always thinking about him either bailing on the skit, like just uh-huh. really early on yeah. or just being like really like part of the language. He's just like really butthurt about it. He's like, what were you expecting to happen, dude? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's just everybody else. Like, I'm thinking about like the, the ballistic skit, like, or the, the, um, the one where they use like the, um, the device for the U S embassies or whatever embassies. Okay, and right. like, Bam yeah, is the only one that's yeah. just like, I don't even want, I'm like a skateboard. It's like, you realize that Ryan and, and Johnny didn't have any protection at all. He just like, just went in face over hand and hand over crotch and just like, um, got shot with like the same number of rubber, rubber balls that you did. But 
Bam, I, I agree with, with Alan. Like, great summation. He's a wimp. He's soft. I don't need him. <laughs> but the parents thing that you mentioned, too, is like, it's really mean. So. Yeah, like, the only time that was funny was um, when they got her with the alligator in the kitchen. Because it was just like, why is it like that? That didn't, it didn't distract any of her property. It didn't do anything. It just had her freak out for a few minutes. That was it. Mm-hmm. But like, I just like the way he blew up his, like would wake up his parents in the middle of the night. He would blow up his dad's van. Like, stop, dude. You're a grown man. Leave them alone. Yeah. Um, I, I just never really got into it. Yeah. I don't, I don't have an opinion one way or another. I, I don't, I certainly didn't miss him in the movie, but I do wonder though at the same time, I, I'm, I'm with you guys, but at the same time, <clears throat> you know, there's such a effort toward inclusivity. If you, Hey, if you're one of us, if you can hang with our crazy antics, then you're, you're part of this family. And so it's kind of a very forgiving and uh, open-minded group of people amongst whom several of them, including Steve-O have had uh, struggles with addiction themselves. Right. Sure. So I'm, I'm sure that there is a, not some small amount of sympathy and empathy toward, um, what Bam's going through as well, so I, I'd be curious to see sure. like, how I mean, this plays out and how and how yeah. like some of the cast members actually feel about what happened. I think that that information is probably kind of hasn't really full, fully come out yet. Right? Well, yeah, it's the kind of thing where you, you like you can't play into that now, but like later on, there might be more to like dig into. That's certainly not yeah. as funny as watching you know somebody get nailed in the face with a giant fist for some reason. Like it just like that was fun. That was hilarious. Absurd. Like the off camera things are often very funny, like whether the 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 bike, the roadrunner sketch, or yeah. like yeah, that skateboarding right. one with like the the giant fist. Yeah, the one offs. Yeah. Was there? A, we can wrap this up here. Was there a favorite skit that you guys had in this uh this film? Um, there were two moments that stuck out to me. It was <laughs> one when Preston was walking up in his like leotard thing, not leotard, like his <laughs> and yeah. he like put his hand over his mouth and was like. And he said something and I was like, and his reaction, like, I just shit my pants. I was like, I loved, I loved it. He was like so concerned. There was, was so there was a sense of sadness to what I found that. I thought it was the <laughs> most tragic scene of the movie. Because he, yeah, he, he, so he, he says, I'm a 51 year old man. <laughs> like, and it's just really sad. <laughs> and then the other bit was, um, I think the quiet game uh, or whatever it was, the mime. Mimes, where Steve-O yeah. has a stunt performed to him. And he has to all everybody whoever loses is the one who makes sound. So when Steve gets hit with the skateboard, he screams and stops himself and looks at Johnny and realizes that he forgot the rules of the game. <laughs> and the look on his face was just wonderful. So like that stuff's really been sticking out with me. Yeah. They're sticking with me. I'm always a sucker for again Johnny and Bulls. I mean, not that I like yeah. to see him hurt, but he always has like a weird dance that he wants to do with like bulls. And I'm always fascinated by that. But the one that sticks out to me again are the pranks or where it's just like where they're all laughing, lining up. And then Johnny just shocks. Like, I think it's like yeah. or something like that with like his taser. But beyond that, the other one with Eric Andre, where he's like, just, I don't think it's Eric. It's somebody else. But he's like, can you really get him a, a real cold brew? And it was the poopies. And like the, a punchline. Yeah. A poopies. Yeah. This is like a yeah, second punchline to that joke, which is great. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Mike, how about you? Um, <clears throat> I think I'm more a Steve-O uh, fan than like the Knoxville type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think the greatest jackass thing of all time is I think from three where Steve-O is catapulted inside a porta potty. 
that's 3 yes right yeah that's because so why like, wouldn't so, you want to see that in 3d <laughs> yeah yeah so so like that's that's kind of where i laughed the hardest but i think I, I like the gags that are sort of very common everyday concepts that they push to the extreme so i think like you take a wedgie but do connect it to three people and do like this sort of pulley system like that's the kind of it's this like it's this perfect distillation of utterly juvenile and stupid but also weirdly sophisticated in its engineering like that's the kind of thing that makes me laugh the hardest i also like the one-offs like like someone mentioned the um the roadrunner gag where they yeah. bike into a into a wall that i i don't know if that's in the trailer it is i think yeah it is it in the is, trailer yeah. but I, I i did not see that coming at all i laughed out of my chair yeah i've um i've already mentioned pontius buffalo billing it at one point just killed so me good. Um, literally just like in the background dancing yeah uh, but the the thing with Tyler the Creator, the electric dance that they're doing, what amused <laughs> me about that is it has multiple layers because yes, t- and even Tyler discovers that they rigged his chair. <laughs> they tell him that they didn't rig his chair, and then it shocks him anyway. That killed me. But the fact that they're doing a certain dance, and it made me think, oh, so they had to like actually learn a dance <laughs> to just yeah. to do this skit, and we will never see the whole thing. But they like do have something in mind for how this works, except that they're interrupted by electricity shocking them constantly. So it's just, like... and yeah, they, like, sh- again... they shout out the choreographer too. Yeah, yeah. they do, and they even bring in the, the director Jeff Tremaine. Like they shot, they like they shock him also. Like there's just a lot of like. <laughs> Like this just went to hell. Like, we're just yeah. we're all just getting shot now. Just, there's a lot of like jokes upon jokes going on there. So, well, it sounds like we had fun uh, with Jackass, regardless of certain aspects of it. Uh, but like in terms of like uh, being a enjoyable film as well as one that has interest uh, beyond some of just the prank stuff, it seems like we had a good time. But when should people go and see this movie, uh, Mike? When should people see Jackass Forever? Um. Uh, depending on how safe they feel, I think a theater experience um, is worth it. But I think, you know, I think your your enjoyment is going to vary depending on the crowd you're with. But if you get a good crowd who, who's into it and with it, then I think that's the I think that's the optimal jackass experience. Alan Aguilar, how about you? Uh, see it. See it as quickly and in as big of a crowd as you're comfortable with. I agree with Mike. I, I think the crowd does make a difference. Um or if you just go with at least one or two other people just that are kind of in your same line of humor and then you'll have a good time because this movie is, it's, it's fun. It's a good time. Abe? Yeah, on our old scale, I'd say that this is like a dollar theater movie. Um, I would agree that if it's safe and there's people there, feel free to go check it out. Uh, but I'd also say that you can watch this at home with what Alan just mentioned, a few friends that are also same like-minded, same humor. Yeah, I... Um... I think at this point, you you know whether or not you enjoy the Jackass brand of comedy. And so if that's something appealing to you, you're getting more of that. And I, I'm all for laughter. So this is, uh, it delivers on that. So if can you I, see it in the theater, if you can. Can I offer an academic perspective? Please. No. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, because, because, you know, there is this sort of prurient, juvenile, go laugh at a bunch of like people getting hit in the dick kind of thing. But there's actually been real like long standing media studies analysis of jackass ever since it came out i'm not overly familiar with the literature but there's been a lot of scholarly work examining it um particularly examining sort of issues of whiteness and masculinity including homoeroticism but there's also this track that has always fascinated me which is this continuing debate as to whether jackass should be classified as art um obviously that takes us into a really subjective territory about what counts as art but 
I, I've always felt that if you view art as something meant to be meant to provoke emotional or intellectual impact, which is to say there needs to be something truly provocative or even transgressive about art to achieve that impact, there's always been something genuinely avant-garde about Jackass, which is interesting because it's so gonzo and strange, but also being produced by a studio at the same time. So it's purely commercial. And that 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 fault line, uh, economic fault line, cultural fault line, that's an interesting thing. And, and I remember feeling so validated in this line of thinking when I think it was Jackass 3 that premiered at MoMA. Hmm. You know, <laughs> so I think like regardless of their intentions, even if they're just kind of goofing off and having a good time, they are tapping into some really socially and culturally significant and interesting questions about the nature of art versus trash and mainstream versus cult and things like that. So th there's a perfectly like highbrow uh, approach to un understanding and appreciating Jackass. I mean, I, I do entirely agree with this idea. I've, I've long regarded it as performance art because of how they set up certain things, as well as the fact that they just, they have, you know, they have names for their different pieces. Like I, I find that to be fascinating and something that's, yeah. you know, it's done in a way I agree. I agree with this, with what you're saying. <laughs> that's, it's funny to talk on Jackass forever for now. Let's, uh, we still have another review to do. Let's move on now. Let's, let's get to, oh, yeah. let's get to our second review for Moonfall. If you're watching this thing, you know by now a huge problem is heading our way. An emergency meeting is being called at our usual place immediately. Free bagels. I've made a shocking discovery. I need you to get me in touch with NASA immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit. There's no need to panic. Not crazy! Why are they lying about all this? It's too late to stop. You knew all this was happening before NASA. You are the unidentified source? Oh, yes. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help. Say yes, Brian. I need you to be brave. If the moon really is what you think it is, suit up. That should have been some of the trailer for Moonfall. Roland Emmerich enjoys blowing up the world in various ways. He doesn't always have a great success doing it, but he is also responsible for several hugely successful original blockbusters. He's returned to the disaster genre once more with Moonfall, this story focuses on the moon suddenly falling out of orbit and heading on a collision course with Earth. It will be up to Na a NASA director, a washed-up astronaut, and a conspiracy theorist to solve this world-threatening problem. Of course, things aren't as simple as they seem as it becomes clearer and clearer that the moon is not what we think it is. Alan Aguilera. Yeah. What did you think of Moonfall? I, I, listen, you know me. You know I love a dumb movie. You know I love, like, lame movies. But this movie made independence day resurgence look like independence day <laughs> this is not a good movie. i did not enjoy it listen i signed up when i went to go see it i was like oh yeah this looks fun i'm in it for a disaster movie this is just gonna mess up buildings and tidal waves and what would happen if the moon really did this instead i get some conspiracy theory ancient alien bullshit and i wasn't into it I wanted like uh, just I just lame and then like no, nothing I just hate it and how is, 
how's Michael Pena, one of the richest guys in New York, and all he does is own a Lexus dealership? I don't buy it. I'm not into it. <laughs> How do you have a view of the Empire? Like, he had a great view, and you're telling me he has a Lexus dealership in New York? Money laundering. <laughs> no, dude, he he's too soft to be money laundering. Yeah. No way. <laughs> Marty Bird would eat him alive. There's no way. And like, <laughs> no, he would eat him alive. And then his kids don't look anything like him. So they, even his kids, like his two girls, like what the fuck? I was I, not. Let me, add, let me add something about that. Stanley Tucci yeah. was cast in this role and he had to duck out. So Michael Pena came in. Uh, he had to make more impossible. But, but the daughters, I guess, remained the same. <laughs> it's really amused me to think. <laughs> well, about. you know what? Stanley Tucci made a good. You know what? I know that with COVID, he wrote a book about how he lost his sense of taste. Well, guess what, Stan? You didn't because you avoided this flick. So you're off the. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just didn't. I was not hyped because I like Midway. I like Rolling Ever movies. I get it. They're dumb and they're fun and I have a good time. But like, no. No, thank you. No, ma'am. No, sir. I was so mad. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I didn't like it. I just wasn't into it. I was really unhappy. I don't think I've been. I think I'm more disappointed with this than when you guys made me go see Jack and the Beanstalk. I'm not. <laughs> Jack the Giant Slayer? <laughs> yeah, whatever that movie was. But I was like, oh. Because sometimes you guys are like, hey, go to the podcast and watch Sonic. And I'm like, okay. And then I love Sonic. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, number two. This one, I'm like, yeah, I'll go see Moonfall. It looks fun. It wasn't. I did not have a good time. It was too long. I was just... And honestly, like, the actors, like, there's maybe three... Donald Sutherland shows up for no reason. He's like, <laughs> gonna kill himself. Like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> and then you have three actors. And then everybody else is just casted with a bunch of day players from things I've never seen before. I'm like, what is going on? You guys can like cast it somebody better for Halle Berry's ex. Like, I was just not. I want to just keep ranting about this movie. But I just didn't like it. I was not hyped about it. I wasted an afternoon. But, you know, I love Patrick Wilson. And he's always, you know, charming and fun to look at. And Halle Berry looks 20 years younger. So that's nice. Good for her. So let's say mixed thoughts from Alan. Mike, uh, what, <laughs> what did you think of Moonfall? Well, it's not Hemingway, right? <laughs> I, mean, it's, I, I don't have much to add. It's obviously an early contender for dumbest movie of 2022. It, I mean, it, it does give us a cat named Fuzz Aldrin, which mm-hmm. which Boy. is, um, I approve, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, I, I mean, the, this, you guys, this movie is so fucking stupid i don't, I don't fucking bad so stupid <laughs> so sorry so what i think the most interesting thing about this movie is that it's the latest in a string of b genre movies financed by a chinese company the huayi brothers mm-hmm. um who are putting a lot of money and engineering into making films in the Hollywood mold in order to reach international audiences, right? And so there's this number, there's been like a growing number of established Hollywood directors who are being poached by China to helm this type of content. I mean, these are like directors with some Hollywood pedigree, but are a bit past their prime. So like Simon West has become one of these people who pursues work in China. Rennie Harlan has been snagged by this and now apparently Roland Emmerich. And so I'm I'm kind of really interested in keeping an eye on this emerging world of sort of mock American Chinese blockbusters because they're all self-conscious. They're very self-consciously like, let's take all these tropes from big Hollywood blockbusters and toss them into the world's biggest idiot blender and make some profit. I mean, have you guys seen Skyfire by Which Simon was, West? It's, it's basically it's basically yeah, Jurassic okay. World, except it's a there's an erupting volcano. It's kind of amazing. So in its in its B movie trashiness, and so 
I'm always interested in the compromises they have to make because China is still really strict about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like to me, that 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 context is kind of interesting. But the movie is a mess, and I, it made me wonder what the budget of Moonfall was because there's some piss poor green screen work. One forty, um, I believe. One forty. I mean, they weren't really at the Griffith yes. uh, Griffith Observatory. Wait, oh, that's that's. That's a lot. That's an unusually large money for something that looks this janky. Sounds like some laundering was going on. Because I mean, have you noticed That's how there's so I'm many thinking. scenes with no? Yeah, there's scenes with no one around. Like they couldn't afford any extras. Oh, I, I have I have thoughts on all of this. Right? <laughs> yeah, take it away then. I'm done. I uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to deny that this is a dumb movie, and I I do think that it's aware of how dumb it is. I wish the stuff on earth was better (laughs) or less or less well less is one thing but at the same time i like if this kind of movie i get that's like you need to have some kind of attachment to the planet because that just makes it more like i do think what emmerich can do well is balance melodrama with the visual aspect of it i'm not saying that he does an amazing job here and largely that's because i don't think the earth stuff works at all because you don't have better actors or a better sense of how to handle it. That said, you do have a gravity car chase. So it's like, I get something out of this, but like the sun character played by Charlie Plummer is duller than dishwater. But I do. How bored, how bored does Charlie Plummer look in this movie? Incredible. He looks, he looks (laughs) contemptuous of having to be there, but I, 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 I'm not familiar with him. What else is he in? He was in what lean on Pete and, um, uh, spontaneous is spontaneous. Yeah, I, I like recommending. Yeah, yeah. He's good that. He's he's the kid that gets kidnapped and Ridley Scott's all the money in the world. Like he's the he's the getter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen any of that. Great. Yeah, but regardless, I, like that stuff. Yes, it's not as successful to me just because it's you have a lot. Like you mentioned, day players. It does feel like yeah, we kind of like spend all the money in other areas so we can only afford so many kinds of actors to play these people. And it shows as far as a kind of Emmerich blockbuster goes where you tend to get a range of actors and performers to kind of play these things. But I do think the space stuff really worked for me and like the core trio really worked for me. I I enjoyed watching Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry and John Bradley doing their thing in this. Alan, you, you said that you prefer something like Independence Day Resurgence. I, that... <laughs> I think Moonfall is Emmerich's best movie since White House Down almost 10 years ago now. Between Stonewall, that, and Midway, which I think was hot garbage, I was Midway much happier. Hot garbage. Is, honestly, <laughs> hot you garbage. go to the World War II Museum, <laughs> and then you go see Midway the next day, like the next week, and you're going to have a good time. I, I like I Midway did, a lot. I did not have a good time at all. Not. Well, you're hot un-American, and you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> this I preferred. I, I I can contend, yes, that there's plenty of weaknesses in it, but I liked it more as it went along, especially when it did get to space and when it got to this insane third act that really came all like left the disaster genre and just went straight up sci-fi. For one, I just didn't know like how far we were gonna go beyond having hints of like whatever malicious forces out in space, but just like the degree <laughs> in which we turn is from like, oh, the moon's not what we thought it was to, oh, this is what the moon is. Like, 
I was wrapped up in all of that stuff as far as like, this is ridiculous, but like, I, I'm not going to look away from any of this. I, and even before, like we get to that, like, I do think there are like, Mike, I don't disagree that there's a lot of effects stuff going on that doesn't look that great. And I think that's been an Emmerich problem for a while now uh, since 2012, because whatever, especially those are like mostly Sony movies, whatever visual effects studio he's using, like, I'm just not a fan of the way he makes like crowds look this movie even is worse because it doesn't have crowds to begin with. There's, it, it is very empty. It does feel like a film shot during COVID and it just doesn't have the scale it needs at all time. That said, you have a sequence like the one where a space shuttle is trying to launch before a giant wave hits it. And I'm like, this looks great. Like there's stuff like that that really works for me. So it's, yeah, that was cool. It's this weird hodgepodge of like when he wants to deliver, like the things that I think he's most invested in really work here. I do think he just has this problem of leaning into some of his worst aspects or at least the stuff that could be better if he had a better cast, but doesn't quite get there. Is this movie very dumb? Sure. It's a very <laughs> dumb movie. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Uh, but I do think the things that worked for me worked well enough where I had enough fun with it. And I also, I didn't think it was very long. I thought it moved pretty quickly. Like I think it sets stuff up as it needs to, and then just kind of gets to the point pretty quickly. And for a movie like this with a plot, that's always funny to read out loud. I appreciated that it felt fairly efficient in what it was trying to do, even if it's dumb as a bag of rocks. Hey, where are you with Moonfall? Moonfall is a, is a movie that is can be categorized as a, um, a not enough movie where, hey man, don't get me wrong. I and Aaron and you guys know it's well documented on this show. We love these movies. We love Geostorm. We love... What was that? What was that one with Hurricane Heist? I, I did not love Geostorm, but go on. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I love the Geostorm. core. I like the core. The core Hurricane great. Heist, Space yeah. Jail. Um, yeah. The one where all the alligators come out. She's a swimmer and it's played by Kaya Scudadero. Uh, Crawl. Yeah. These are all movies that are like simple premise, kind of like weird disaster movies. You kind of going for it. What, what I think that this movie did not deliver on was not going extreme enough and it's a weird thing for me to say because i'm just like i wish that there was more space guns i wish that there was more ridiculousness in the plot i wish that there was more campiness in the in the movie overall on the other hand this is also a movie that can be categorized as too much uh too much exposition (laughs) i love that uh i love that everyone's favorite uh character actor now turned or a leading actor turned character actor um uh what's his face Sutherland? Uh, no, yeah Sutherland comes in and says literally what are you doing here I'll explain everything even though I don't know what you're doing here I have a gun at my desk and that's it there's One also just like exposition, exposition dumps from everybody and that makes it kind of loathsome but if it was more camp and more fun it actually would be more or would be very interesting I agree with you, Aaron, that there was actually this third act twist that I was like, you know, I like that you guys did this. I just wish that there was more of it, which is a weird thing for me to be like, um, you know, to say at the final uh, act of the movie. But I agree with Alan, too, that it, it to me it did feel a little bit long as well. So on the whole, I wish that it was more campy and more ridiculous and more fun and showed more destruction. But also, also in the, like basically just leaning into it. And then uh, on the other hand, it's just like, yeah, it's another disaster flick. And it feels so sometimes like from a critical standpoint, 
I certainly felt as though I was like, is Roland Emmerich kind of just like chasing this dragon, like chasing the high that he once had when he made Independence Day? Because a lot of the same characters, a lot of the same plot points, no, no real big speech. But, you know, I think that this goes to your point, Mike, about like the H brothers kind of like taking a look at American genre films like this and basically just trying to recreate it for international markets. But yeah, I just wish that it leaned more into it because it could have been a fucking weird Armageddon, Independence Day, whatever you want it to be. Um, But it kind of just ends up being like, well, you know, we'll just do too much about this group and we'll do too much about that group. And then we'll do, uh, you know, the last part about this trio, which I thought was fun enough. But, you know, all the goofs and all the whatever else, like, I just love that they kept it in the camera. And these goofs are like, not like, not like, um, like, uh, oh, there's like a, a boom mic on set. More like, there's three international astronauts. One of them is French. One of them is American. One of them is British. All with American accents. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. So I just wish that it leaned more into a lot of like the camp, which it doesn't. Yeah, I think, okay, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's well put. And I think it's not good enough to be good, but it's also not bonkers enough to be fun. Mm-hmm. And it's just in this kind of weird zone. And, and, you know, Aaron was saying that you were, I guess a little bit more on board than we all were like when they're inside the moon was what I kept noticing is like what, what Abe points out, which is that there's so many places in which it's just weirdly restrained. Like we get inside the moon and the visual design is completely boring and stale. And, and for me, where I felt um, most disappointed was Roland Emmerich's one of his signature images or rather one of his most prominent like fetish objects is the white house. He loves destroying the white house. And I was sure, but I mean, I think, I think, I mean, Emmerich does a good portion of the country apparently loves doing it. That's for sure. Well, I, I I actually do think, and and I'm not being sarcastic. I think he'd be a great choice to direct uh, an eventual film about the January 6th riots. Oh, too late. I think he, Adam McKay called it. (laughs) Oh, did he? Yep. Ah, well, do it, do two. Um, It'll get a deep impact in Armageddon the same year about this. Exactly. Well, so I was really surprised to see that, there isn't really a whole lot of sort of American destruction that centers around certain touchstones of American society, like the White House. And I did, I did catch myself wondering whether the current tensions between the U.S. and China might have something to do with that. Actually, I mean, well, they fucked up New York. Like, they, they moved yeah, the Chrysler Building to Colorado. Not enough. Not, not, not enough. Enough destruction. There's not enough destruction. It's a disaster movie, and there's just ass. There's no disaster. Like, I mean, it completely yeah. sidesteps. It sidesteps the, one of the most obvious tropes of the disaster genre, which is that the disaster always strikes famous national landmarks. All we get is yeah. a, a, a collapsed Chrysler building at the end. Um, that's it. We get like a little bit of flooding in LA or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. And we don't really see much of anything anywhere else. And then mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I'm just irritated. That's because everyone had to go to the mountains. But yeah, I, I would. I would you know, it's, like, it's following. It's following the characters. That's the problem. I mean, our problem. It's it's the 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 choice that's made as far as we're sticking in Colorado, so we're only going to show stuff that's related to this area mainly. Mm-hmm. We're not going to show you more of the world, which becomes, you know, it's a mix of a budget thing as well as a you know, Emmerich's done this. Like I, I don't know if he just has much investment in wanting to show off various parts of the world getting blown up anymore there's money shots to be had that are missed out on by that i agree but i i can understand i can understand the choice being made i played pilot wings on the n64 i know where the rocky mountains are and mount rushmore is right there he could have fucked that thing up too i'm just 
I was like, oh yeah, Roland Emmerich, I love his movies. Like, his, they're, they're always gonna be good and fun and like lame, but it doesn't matter. And I was like, why, why, why? I think I'm just upset because of like, I usually like third act batshit twi- twist, but I don't think it went batshit enough. Yeah. It was very contacty. I'm hearing this from all, like, I don't know how it does more at this point. With, more with space guns. With, every, with everything that happens in that third act, including what I, I, I don't think what, it's what, more, what, I think different. Because like the design all looked straight out of Halo. It was plain and simple, kind of vibe. I'm like, it looked like they made this from like 2001 designs of what some guy thought it'd be cool to have in the movie. Like, it's just so like, I, I think I, I don't mind it's batshit. I like batshit. You know, I like create like stuff that just goes off the wall. I'm fine with it. I think a lot of it has to do with marketing. Promised me this one thing, and I'm, okay, fine. I see a monster storm. Okay, cool. Like, just have shit blow up. We're going to the moon. It's gonna be fucking weird. I'm with it. But it was just so boring when they got there. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. But like, there's nothing really that was appealing to it. A lot of the vision sure, sure. and the direction just wasn't gripping enough for it to be like, oh, okay, cool. It's just like, oh, that's it. Yeah, and I think uh, that's what what Aaron is saying too is very well, true. I'm, I'm saying it, it, it's I'm focused not, a lot it, on characters. I'm saying it's not. I'm not arguing that's the epitome of what I could take from a moon is actually a superstructure and there's weird shit going on inside of it concept like yeah i think there's is there more is there something different to be done to make it more visually appealing or whatever probably uh, at the same time like i wasn't i didn't feel like i was disappointed with what i was getting from this specific movie by the time i got to that point let alone the entire like warp speed exposition dump on patrick wilson that we get as far as why the moon <laughs> is this way which i do think has a lot of interesting visuals going on at that point that that meld with the oh, right. and a warning like I, all that stuff i was just i, I was you mean I'm the not, abyss scene i'm yeah basically yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna say like i was transfixed by this and I, I i just couldn't help myself but getting more engaged but like i was in i was into what it was offering me as far as like okay this they're really trusting me with a lot right now in the span of like two minutes to understand a, sure. a hell of a lot of material that's saved for some sequel that's never going to happen. Yeah, they love but, exposition dumps. <laughs> when it's like when it's fast and furious like that at me, like as far as like how much of it we're getting, sure. Like throw throw all the craziness you can. And I do think it gets that crazy. Do I I I do agree with you, Abe, as far as earlier parts of this movie could have been more more campy or more like done more with that kind of thing. I do think he is chasing a dragon is a great way to put it because yeah, there's a certain kind of success he achieved. Right. And I do think he wants to keep going for at the same time. I like that. He's just comfortable doing this. Well, thing. I mean, yeah. It's and I mean, it's diminishing returns thing because he doesn't exactly. have nearly as strong of a cast. Exactly. So there's, yeah. there's certain and, parts that work for me. Like there's a part where like, one of these general guys is like, my ex-wife is up there, and it's really funny. <laughs> First of all, he's committing mu- he's committing mutiny, and he's going to be court-martialed. Yeah. Uh, not at the end of this movie, <laughs> not anymore. He's probably the. I, I love now. how they asked him, like, "What do you think? What do you think? Like, makes you think that she's going to succeed?" I don't know. I just have a feeling. <laughs> um, well, it gives us yeah, it gives us that wife. classic uh, uh, crimson tide liner. Is God help you if you're wrong? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they love these one liners like that. But I, Aaron, to your point, like the characters are, you know, in terms of chasing the dragon, like you know, look, you're not going to have like a Will Smith and Vivica Fox and all these other charismatic characters, Bill Pullman, um, Data, um, whatever the case is. You're not going to have those folks, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, but you can't also try and replicate them because 
I don't want to see the same characters like in just various like world ending situations. And that is kind of difficult to, to juggle because you have here at least like 10 characters that you're trying to follow. Like, and that really, and you guys all said it day players. I was going to say like, this is like the greatest, like um, uh, extras movie ever kind of thing. Um, but day players is definitely the right term. There's just so many of these people that deliver stone cold lines that don't relate to anything. And I just could not dig it. And I was like, why am I spending time with like this, this uh, in-house nanny slash like grad student who has a terrible Jonas brothers joke and is delivered so hollow. I was like rolling in my seat kind of thing. Um, so there's just too many people for you to follow that really takes away from Patrick Wilson kind of just like being like a, a, a fuck up with a beautiful car collection and bike collection. Um, but I would love to have spent more time with just those folks kind of just like telling me more sciencey things, but here we are. It feels lazy, doesn't it? I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't know think, about lazy. I don't but think again, it feels lazy. Like lazy, lazy turns me off in movies very, very easily. I do. I do think that there is a compromise being made as far as we can only afford these actors if we want to make this level of spectacle. And as a result, it's less charismatic as a feature compared to something more scrappy like Independence Day, where you have it, Will Smith not at peak level. You have sure. someone like Jeff Goldblum, who's, you know, he's still a character actor. You have Bill Pullman, who's also like a character actor, like these people that are trying to, and, you know, many others in that film mixed with the latest and greatest in special effects. Like there's something that, you know, and that's, that's lightning that, that you just, right. you can't do that all the time uh, where this film does feel like, well, you know, we get movies that, whether or not they're disaster movies, we get movies that, you know, spectacle films like this dime a dozen in a year. And how do you make that feel special again? Well, Roland Emmerich's going to do it just the only way he really knows how. It's like, I'll cast a variety of people. Some of them are more famous than others and, you know, get my effects here. And hopefully this insane story that I've concocted with by, uh, with what's his name, Clauser, Harold Clauser. Uh, hopefully that just works for us and we can make it take off. Does it, is it entirely successful as his previous best films? No, but, but, I, but I don't think he's not putting the effort in. Can I actually make a case for, I actually really like Roland Emmerich, even though I don't think there's a single film that I think is all that great. Um, because I, I think he's interesting in that, how do I put this? I think his auteur, I, I want to make a real uh, defense for his status as an auteur, but as a quintessentially American auteur, I think his auteurism revolves almost entirely around embracing sort of American progressive politics. Um, sir, I mean, American progressive politics like circa 10 plus years ago. I, I have no idea how he feels about this current moment of sort of left woke politics, which I think is something a little bit different, but his films are always like very reverent and, and even romantic about American history <clears throat> and American ideals yeah. and American institutions. Mm -hmm. And he's also, I think he's so interesting because he, he, he's also embracing because um, it's, it's worth noting he's an immigrant, right? He's German. Yes. Um, and he's someone who really embraces the progressive sort of good trouble politics around race and LGBT issues. I think he was better on racial inclusivity way before a lot of his peers working at that scale. And I mean, this isn't necessarily a criticism, but I think that also includes he embraces some of the excesses of oppositional politics as well, which is a tendency to put stock in like crackpot conspiracy theories, which is something he also does over and over. <laughs> he does over and over. And this is the first time where you have a full on lead co-lead character who's right, um, but not only right, yeah. but also like the guy you trust the most here, where like in previous films like 2012, 
or Independence Day, there are conspiracy theorist characters that are like more on the side or have little to do. Yuri's like, he's just part of the crew. Like he's, he's really in on this. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're speaking specifically about Emmerich's disaster films, there's obviously something like deeply nihilistic about returning time and again to portray a world that is always on the brink of devastation. <clears throat> um, but at the same time, he is always combining this with what strikes me as a very kind of American sense of optimism because these apocalypses, yeah. yeah, yeah, whether these apocalypses, whether they're it's the moon or aliens or global warming or whatever, they're always what they're always survivable, right? And as mind numbingly dumb as these movies tend to be, I think he does deserve credit for giving us stories in which the group who survives and allows humanity to carry on are always like multiracial groups, there's a multiracial coalition. And I, I really kind of admire him sort of putting those interests front and center in, in his work, even though the movies are you know, largely garbage. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I am a fan. I, I like going to see new Emmerich films. Are they always good? Not at all. But, uh, but <laughs> there, there are some that really work for me. There sure. are many. There are many that don't. Who, who uh, made The Day After Tomorrow? Emmerich. Okay. <clears throat> Emmerich, yeah. Um, but there is, I agree with you, like it's his earnest sensibilities and just his, he, the way he uses melodrama, I think really, it's something I find to be quite admirable because there is a, there is a version of these things where it could just, yeah, just feel, I don't know, empty. Cause like his, you know, his films can be empty, but there's something there where I, regardless of how well developed the characters are. I still like want these people to survive. <laughs> like I, I want there to be a, an outcome that's that, that, that relies on like, you know what? <laughs> Terrible things may have happened, but somehow this family unit is better for it. And it's like, okay, that's a weird thing to like go for, but like, that's the goal he went for. And I, there's something weirdly admirable about that. Hmm. Something like 2012 where like the world is gone essentially but it ends on like John Cusack congratulating his daughter for using pull-ups properly. It's like, why? But somehow that's good. Like that's, that makes me feel better. We've, so, one um, other, so one other thing, just, just real quick, this is indulgent, but one other thing I admire about Emmerich is that from what I understand, uh, he supports a number of causes that are admirable, including like LGBT causes. Uh, he's a gay man himself. <clears throat> um, but the one that I want to shout out because it's a sort of a pet topic of mine is that I know he has la uh, lobbied in favor of uh, greater recognition and protections for stunt performers in yeah. the industry. Mm -hmm. And so um, big, big thumbs up to that. I, I think he's a good example of a filmmaker I admire despite maybe not being any films that I admire above all others. Uh, unlike someone who like, I don't know, Michael Bay or someone is, for instance, is someone I neither admire as a filmmaker or as a human being. So uh, I'm kind of you know, <laughs> thumbs up on Emmerich. Well, we'll have you on for the ambulance podcast. <laughs> Please don't. Or do. <laughs> Cheryl, I'll have stuff to say. Scheduling and phone now. Professor Mike Dillon, ambulance podcast, April, <laughs> double check, email sent. Okay. Um, any, any, you know what? I Real quick, because we didn't yeah. talk too much about like the core cast here. But uh, I, you know, John Bradley, who's best known from Game of Thrones, he's playing, you know, the comic relief here, as well as the one guy that's right about everything, even before NASA can be right about certain things. Did you guys like what he was bringing to this movie? Yeah, he was fine. I, I like, think he's the he only adorable. person. He's the only person who seemed happy to be involved. 
that's an interesting way to put it because I, I my take on like the three main leads was like everyone's bringing a different energy to the table and it doesn't match, but they're all in the same movie. But yeah, I, I'd say that he's like the guy that like gets everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry are, I mean, they're professionals. They've been in blockbusters before. They know how to play the camera. They know how to deliver the one-liner. Mm-hmm. But John Bradley is the one who was really bringing a sense of enthusiasm. Like, I, I, I'm in a blockbuster. This is fantastic. And so yeah. I, I yeah, appreciated the, his enthusiasm the most. It, it came across. There's a sense of wonder. Charlie Plummer. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sense of wonder with him that I that I admired as well. I do think Patrick Wilson... I, I I wished he leaned more into deadbeat dad <laughs> as far as his like his role here. I can it's see a, it. It's the kind of annoying thing where we as an audience know his character wasn't wrong as far as he saw something, presumably yeah. alien, at the beginning of this movie. So like the entire time I'm like sitting here trying to struggle with like he fell off that hard <laughs> from like like seeing a thing that happened, and then it does that weird thing where he meets John Bradley's character, who's a conspiracy theorist, but it's like, you you don't believe him, the conspiracy, but you're fired from NASA because you saw aliens. Like what you can't, you want to just keep denying him until like, it's convenient for you. I don't know. It's the, it's, it's similar to like independence day where Randy Quaid, like is called crazy and like aliens attack. And he's like, still called crazy. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like this is this is where you start believing uh, something. Like, did they ever have a conversation with Data and uh, Randy Quaid in, in Independence Day? No. Okay. They they, they they rightfully wouldn't allow Randy Quaid inside Area Fifty One. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, especially now. So. Okay. When should people go and see Moonfall? It's currently playing in theaters and doing horribly at the box office. Alan, I, it sounds like you you can't wait to see it again. What would you say? I don't know. Don't. <laughs> that's uh, a that's a that's a valid answer uh watch it on streaming if you want like either after like a really big deal so you can't like move the controller or anything <laughs> or like if you're not hydrated enough you know just just you know if you're curious about it just wait till streaming and if not just don't you're not gonna miss anything i don't think it's gonna create a bunch of cultural you know monuments for the rest of time i think oh man when the moonheads start coming out for this thing and wear the shirts and they're going to the reunions you're gonna be so you're gonna be so so like i missed the bus on this one buddy i certainly i really missed the rocket on this i'm so sorry guys yeah i don't know it's not very good mike when should people see this movie uh uh, skip it fuck the moon (laughs) no actually actually you know what this movie has I think at least two, maybe three instances of weird offhand Elon Musk love. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know what that's about, but I'm assuming that this movie will be playing aboard your SpaceX uh, uh, flight up there. Uh, I can't afford point. it. So, so watch it on, on that flight. And if you can't afford it, then don't watch it. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey. Uh, this is a, not a premium streaming this is just like regular streaming so when it comes to like netflix or amazon prime or something like that um that's when you should go check it out yeah i mean this is the spectacle stuff like this is like a dollar theater at most for mm-hmm. me but like it is you know a fancy 4k would look fine as well for this it's not peak emmerich but i don't i think it's i don't think it's nearly as bad emmerich as uh, some of his other films um i appreciated just enough about it where i had 
I had the fun that I was looking for when it came to a movie about the moon falling out of orbit. <laughs> so <laughs> take that as you will. Uh, all right. So we've talked about Moonfall. We've done it. We've talked about both movies. Now it's time for a hey, what? Uh, what time is it here? Aaron, it's time for a quick game here. Let her know. In hey, fact, Alan. that's actually the um, yeah. ringtone that uh, I like to use sat phones. Good to know. Yeah. What were you saying, Mike? Uh, I just wanted to tell Alan I I liked Midway. I liked Midway too. It was a good movie. It was fun. It was great. I didn't get around to see like Midway good... two, but um, Midway one I really enjoyed. Oh yeah, they're both. Yeah, no, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Second one's just like, listen, I just want to see these battles. Okay, here they are. Do I need a narrative? No, not really. Got it. They gave hey, you one, and it sucked. Like, <laughs> hey, do 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 we want our actors all to have really bad fifties New York accents or like thirties New York accents? Yeah, absolutely, perfect, done. Remember who started Midway? Aaron, Aaron, yeah, Darren, uh... Chris, Patrick Wilson, oh, okay. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, don't wow. don't come for me on the. I'm sorry, I Francis, the... Francis from Deadpool. Ski, it's, it's, Ed Skeen, it's, it's all Skeen, yeah, Skeen. yeah, Ed, Ed Skeen. Randy Moore, Luke Evans, don't. With me, I'm, I'm sorry. Guy. I thought you were the number one Midway <laughs> fan out there. Big Midway guy. Oh, and then one of the fucking Jonas's, um, the young one, the diabetic one, Nick Nailed Jonas. It. Great. Yep. <laughs> <Nailed> <laughs> All right. I have a game for you guys. All right. Mm-hmm. It's called about uh, Who Loves Midway the Most because it's going to be me. It's called I'm Aaron Newworth, <laughs> and this is the Jackass Emmerich game. Oh, no. What I'm going to do for you is I'm going to style descriptions of Emmerich movies as if it was a jackass skit being introduced. And you have to guess which Emmerich movie I'm referring to. Okay. Got all it. right. And it's going to be all in the per- the the perspective of character names from Emmerich films. Oh, no. Here's the first one. Okay. If you feel you know the answer, buzz in with your name and the answer. I'm Stephen Hiller, and this is the F-18 Canyon Swoop. Alan. Alan? Uh, Independence Day. Independence Day. That's the correct answer. You're on the board. Great. The next one. I'm Daniel Jackson, and this is the wormhole. Mike. Mike? That's Stargate? That is Stargate. Oh. Mike's on the board. Here's the next one. I'm Victor Animal Pilati, and this is Getting Stepped On. Uh, Alan. Mike. Alan? Godzilla. Godzilla. That's the correct answer. Is that the Hank Azaria character? Yes. Oh. Here's the next one. I thought Abe would have that one. Mm-hmm. I'm Luke Devereaux, and this is Severed Ear Challenge. Ooh. Oh, Mike. Mike? Uh, Universal Soldier. Universal Soldier. What? Ooh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Here we go. There's the next one. I'm James Sawyer, and this is the Rocket Launcher Limo. <laughs> Abe. Abe? 2012. Incorrect. What? <laughs> Mike. Mike? Is that White House Down? That is White House Down. Mike, of course. Here's the next one. I'm a patriot, you guys. Yeah. Here's the next one. Mm. I'm Jackson Curtis, and this is the limo stunt driver. Mike. Abe. 2012. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Because for some reason, you thought John Cusack had a rocket launcher in his limo at some point. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was thinking, I was keying on the word limo. Here's the next one. It does get launched. (laughs) Here's the next one. I'm Sam Hall, and this is the Wolf Chase. Alan. Oh. Alan. 
Oh dear. Uh, I fucked that up. Uh, I'm gonna say 10,000 BC. Incorrect. Yeah. Oh, Mike. Mike. That's uh, oh god. Day after tomorrow. It is the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. The, the the infamous wolf the wolves in that movie. <laughs> Something I've delighted in for. 16 years at this point. <laughs> Here's the next one. I'm Benjamin Martin, and this is the Cannonball Challenge. Alan. 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 Patriot. The Patriot is the correct answer. Cannonball Challenge. Wow. Here's the next one. I'm Delay, and this is the Mammoth Hunt. Alan. Alan. 10,000 BC. That's 10,000 BC <laughs> is the correct answer. This is, this, is, this is a close game. Here's the last one. Uh-oh. I'm David Levinson, and this is the Moon Joyride. Alan? Alan? Moonfall? Incorrect. Oh. Hmm. Uh, Moon Joyride. Oh. Uh, Alan? You went already. <laughs> what was the name? I'm David Levinson, and this is oh, the Abe. Moon Joy... Abe? Yeah. Independence Day colon resurgence. That is the correct answer. David. David. Exactly. David. Unfortunately, oh, David. <laughs> Alan fucked up the last one, so it's a tie score between Mike and Alan right now. Woo! Okay. <laughs> shall we? It. Shall we? Uh, we can meet midway. Ha! <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a bonus question. I'm gonna give you a bonus question here, just for those two. Just for those two, correct? Okay. okay. Let's see. What's the best way to do this? I'll right, just go for the number. Independence Day is Roll Emmerich's highest-grossing film at the worldwide box office, and probably domestic too. How much money did Independence Day make worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide. Are we going by prices right rules? Like if we over under? Kinda? No. Closest one too. Just closest, yeah. I'm gonna say in the vicinity of five hundred million. Five hundred on the board. Alan? I'm gonna say seven fifty. Can I can yeah. I just guess for, for giggles? Yes, you can. Okay. So you got Alan's? Yeah. Um eight hundred and thirty two. Is there more to that? (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to give you all like nine digits. I mean, 832 million. Abe, you're you're actually closest, but Alan, you are the winner. It is 817 million. Good job, Alan. It was a ginormous hit. Yeah, I was like, it's not in the billion time or mark, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing made a billion until Titanic, but I mean, (laughs) I've never seen that movie. Independence Day made a a large sum of money. It was a a huge, huge hit back in '96. It did the job. I didn't think movies even went that high, like prior to Titanic and Avatar, but cool. Jurassic made a good deal, anyway. (laughs) It's shocking to me that that movie made that much money and they weren't able to make a sequel for like 15 years. People got busy. It's crazy to me. People yeah. got busy. <laughs> That's one you way. You know, to one it. thing. One thing I always kind of respected about Emmerich and uh, Dean Devlin is that y- you make the biggest box office smash of like up to that point, Independence Day, and then your next movie is Godzilla, and as garbage as that movie is, they could have cast anybody they wanted, right? And they went with 
non-marquee actors. And that I thought was kind of a cool move. Yeah, none of that Godzilla. makes me happy about that Godzilla movie. That movie's god awful. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Imp- it doesn't improve Godzilla. But I. I. I, and I. I. I don't think it was. For one thing, it's not like they're going to get like Tom Cruise to sign up for Godzilla. But also, I think they tried to replicate exactly the same formula. We take you know stars that are known but not super well known, put them in this. One's an action guy. One's a nerd, and see what happens. Mm. And it failed entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Great cartoon well, how series. How much did Godzilla make? Did Godzilla not make? Godzilla it made, made money. Bad. It made three hundred seventy-six yeah. worldwide. It ah, was okay. it was a decent okay, yeah. hit. It didn't make as much as they would have hoped, given that it's the director of Independence Day. But it given the a, given the ad campaign was but pretty, it, yeah exactly that too, that yeah. too yeah it was but it wasn't a colossal it wasn't a flop at all. Sure. It was it was similar to like Burton's Planet of the Apes, where it's like, well, you guys made a hit movie, but. Nobody likes this, and we're smart enough to be like, let's just not do this again. I think you mean Mark Wahlberg's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> but five, you know, Planet of the Apes, huge hit. But I believe one of the biggest opening day weekends of all time at that point. Yeah. Um, and it, they were just like, yeah, we're done. We don't need to keep going with this. Godzilla is a little trickier. Godzilla Toho is like, we didn't like this. We're taking the rights back immediately. That's, that's uh, <laughs> what happened there. Anyway. Alan, congratulations once again. You are the winner of this week's game. Whoop, whoop. Good job. I love that for me. Good. <laughs> Good effort all around. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. This is where we go to the various feedback. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> this is where we go to the various questions answered on our Facebook page, the conversation podcast. We have a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers here. And uh, Alan, Mike, feel free to jump in with any thoughts that you have as we go through these. First question is, what is your favorite Roland Emmerich film? Uh, Not a whole lot of responses. In fact, none. uh, But I'll start the (laughs) opening bid at Independence Day. Independence Day by far is my favorite Roland Emmerich movie. (laughs) My favorite is The Patriot. There you go. Cannibal Run. Because I'm I'm an American. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll go Universal Soldier just to be contrarian. There you go. Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Because I'm also as American as those two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played he played Colonel Guile. That's true. No one's more American than Colonel Guile. He's got the tattoos to prove it. Right. Yeah, that's American muscle. Isaac Van Dam, right there. <laughs> Next question we have here: What's your favorite film that puts various landmarks around the world in danger? John writes Independence Day. Sebastian agrees and can't think of one that's better. And Todd writes Independence Day, Mars Attacks, and Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Mm. What's your favorite film that puts the various landmarks around the world in danger? Cloudy mm. with a Chance of Meatballs. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That's a good one. Isn't there? There's a gag in there where like London is it's like cloud, it's like gray skies and it's bad, and then it goes back to just gray skies again and it's good. That makes <laughs> <me> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> any others I can't think of anything other than Independence Day because it's so good yeah. as far as better or as far as like most comprehensive because Independence Day they've yeah. got like the 12 things that are like, like team all of- over the major cities yeah. in the world and then you know in Armageddon like I think you see like the Eiffel Tower get destroyed and that's pretty much you see it. a but no you see a no you see a bunch oh, you, of stuff okay. you, you see Shanghai you see what's well, Notre Dame gets destroyed in there Notre Dame gets destroyed yeah you, you get you get uh um yeah uh, New York gets toppled with Mark Curry 
the Chrysler, yeah, with Mark Curry and Eddie Griffin. Um, Eddie Griffin's in that movie? He's in the same scene. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what's the one? The one for Leaf? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, Which the is the one the, where... The core has got plenty going on. A, there's one with a tornado like wipes out the Hollywood sign. Is which one is that? Is that day after tomorrow? That's day after tomorrow. That, is, is that day after tomorrow? Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's why he couldn't use it in um in Moonfall because he already did it before. Right. There's the tra- uh, there's the trailer shot where like the 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 newscasters on the ground and like a sign just knocks him out. Oh, while, yeah. he's, while, he's on, while he's on TV. And they keep rolling. They're like, that'd be insane. That'd be insane to see. (laughs) You're just watching this program and the newscaster gets destroyed by a sign. We might have lost Dave. Uh, We'll get back to him if we get him back. He's just like dead. Um, The next question is What are your favorite films with Holly Berry and Patrick Wilson? Uh, Obviously, not together, but you know, do you guys have a favorite for one or the other or both? I like Patrick Wilson in the Conjuring movies, Little Children. Mm -hmm. Holly Berry. Um, you know, Catwoman is always a good one. <laughs> I like Halle Berry and Bullworth. Yeah, yeah. she's not she's not the lead, but John Wick three, yeah. The Kingsman. Yeah, or number two, right? She was in the two. second one. Yeah, Golden Circle. Yeah. All right. Anything from you, Aaron? Yeah, X two and Insidious. How about that? There you go. Okay. I do like uh, uh, Bone Tomahawk, I think, is a pretty strong oh, cool. movie. That's oh, yeah, there Patrick, you go. That's yeah, Patrick one. Wilson's in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, next question. What are some great films featuring conspiracy theorists? Hmm. Todd Levin, our friend of the show, writes JFK. No, that one's just oh, straight. That one's straight. It was Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> uh, the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson and... and uh, Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts, yeah. Contagion. There you go. The Jude Law character. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Just is he isn't he like selling a vaccine at one point out of his suitcase? Yeah, he's like he's selling stock. misinformation. That's what he's selling. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. He's been a real yeah. dick about it. Yeah. It sounds like a Jude Law thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I like the 70s paranoia movies like um uh conversation, parallax view. Mm. Uh, uh, it's the Robert Redford one. Three days, Three days in the Condor. Condor. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fun. Um, what about like um? They live. They... I mean, <laughs> yeah, massive yeah. cover up. Nice. Yeah. Uh, is Wag the Dog a conspiracy movie? Yeah, of course it is. You're just you're just on the side of the people that are creating the conspiracy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are wagging the dog? Um, I like when that movie when that title comes up in the movie. Um, it doesn't. Uh, the next um, question is, huh? I was going to say uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Which one? I mean, the Frankenheimer one's a classic, but I do like the Demi Denzel one. That's it's yeah. not a bad movie. It's it's better. It has it's better than any right. It has to be. There you go. Uh, the next question is. Comp- no, never mind. Oh, like, no, go oh, ahead. Never mind. Please. Never mind. Never mind. No, nope, oh, they nope. got like Confidential or like Marlon and Pauls or something like that. Those, well, not really. I mean, they're just those like. like they're noirs of characters that find themselves in, incorporated into sinister plots. But sinister plots. That's a good that's like it's not about conspiracy describe. theories. It's more about conspiracies, yeah. which yeah. are, you know, there's a there's a there's a separation. But I, I know where your head's at and I respect it. Yeah. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> uh my answer would be Airbud, because you know, how can a dog win five championships? Um 
the next question well, so, is, whoa, 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 whoa. So what's your theory? <laughs> it's it's a was man he, was he, was he in a dog suit. <laughs> Just like the shaggy dog. He got turned in, in, dog in, suit, yeah. yeah, it's an athlete that got turned into a dog. It's, it's confusing. Um, the next question that, is... That, that, that theory is pretty golden. Uh, <laughs> I retrieved it from my memory. Um, <laughs> the next question is... <laughs> what do you think is the most dangerous film you've ever seen? Uh, Luke Thompson from the show has the Zapruder film. <laughs> and Todd Liebenau, uh has Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, the plane stunt. Hmm. Most what, dangerous. Someone's going to copycat the plane stunt? I mean, I guess well, you no, could if you had like a lot of money. I mean, what's just what just looks like a dangerous film that you've seen? The Crow. I mean, oof. oh, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Brandon. Do tsunami. A dangerous oh. film. Um, hmm. I mean, Mad Max: Fury Road is a dangerous movie to watch. Like I, the the fact again, the You're fact that nobody, everybody, all the actors, the fact, the fact that nobody died making that film is very impressive to me. Hmm. Billy um, Elliot. Billy Elliot. Yeah. It's just too. It's just too damn charming. <laughs> And that and that's dangerous to that's you. Dangerous. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't want to feel things. Yeah, that's a good point. We come to the internet to laugh, not to feel. Yeah, uh, yeah. You guys name some good dog's ones. Purpose. A, what? Which one? What dog's purpose? A dog's purpose. <laughs> What's the danger there? They Driving the in the rain with the dog. No, that's that's a different movie. What, Alan? Didn't they kill somebody on the dog? Like, didn't the dog die drowning filming that movie? No, they there was a video that there was a video that was heavily edited to make it seem like the dog was in danger, but it was debunked uh, promptly. Conspiracy (laughs) theories. Yeah, so it falls into the conspiracy theory. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, that doesn't work for my joke, then, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Mike Dylan saying dog on it. Hashtag all the dogs and dogs' purpose were like little people actors, right? Were they? Conspiracy they? theory. The same one they got for Airbud? Yeah, now, now we're in full-blown conspiracy theory mode. Oh, that one scene in Lord of the Rings of Two Towers where Aragorn hits the helmet. And literally breaks his toe. And breaks his toe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah. It's very dangerous. I agree. Right. Broke his La- bone. Last question we have. What are some great films about male bonding? Todd writes The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven, and Seven Samurai. Hmm. Mark Hoban, friend of the show, writes The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Butch and Sundance. Hmm. Oh, it's uh, funny. I was going to say The Sting. Wow. <laughs> oh, that too. Well, I mean, you guys are all wrong because the right answer is Enemy Mine. So there you Top go. Gun, <laughs> Enemy Mine. Uh, Fox and the Hound. Oh. oh said. Enemy Mine. <laughs> enemy Mine. He takes care of Louis Gossett Jr.'s son. That's such a random reference to make. <laughs> I've made that reference like a handful of times over the course of the, the 12 years we've been doing Good reference. <laughs> Whose enemy is this? Not mine. <laughs> yeah. He's my brother. Enemy Mine, um, man. Dennis Quaid grows a beard. And Louis Gossett Jr. has prosthetics. Yes. Yeah. Uh, four brothers. Another frequent mention on Out Now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, you guys! I got, I've got the quintessential male bonding movie. Hit it. Mm-hmm. Stand by me. That's a good one. That's a. I can get behind that. 
Yeah. Richard Dreyfus talking about kids. <laughs> That's the one that you bring up. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> one of Hollywood's meanest actors. Speaking of Dreyfus, uh, could we call Jaws a male bonding movie? Of course we can. Yeah. That they, they all come together through their bonding. Yeah. And through maybe even some deaths. Goodwill Hunting? Oh, yeah, oh I got right? one. Remember the Titans. I mean, that's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Except for those two guys that don't make the team. Oof. Oh, Miracle. And that I really that. somber yeah. ending. I feel like most sports movies are male bonding movies. So War movies yeah, too. but did they yeah. use a theme yeah. for the Olympics like they did with, uh, with that movie? Exactly. Didn't think so. That's a true story. I don't hear it. Good, good point, Abe. <laughs> Thank you. I've tied it into the Olympics, which are happening right now. The Winter Olympics. Not a sponsor. All right. Yeah, their visa's their sponsor. Um <laughs> I mean, made very clear on this throughout the thing. That's been out of feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. I was waiting for a, a hat trick with Mike on that one, but okay. Um that's going to bring us. Thank you. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's out now. Therapy. You can find more of my work in my personal blog, the code is Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for leave entertainment. Wise the blue and occasionally variety. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Alan Aguilera. Yes. What's going on with you? <laughs> Not so much, man. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. If you'd like, it's Aldo rain, A L D O R A Y N E. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter where I don't really do much right now. It did get a new podcast, Mike. Mike, you oh. can't hear it because I haven't been able to set it up yet. <laughs> oh, you were excited. so excited about this mic. I yeah. didn't even use it. I, I I'm intrigued. It. Well, I bought like I got oh, this whole new setup from uh, my girlfriend for Christmas. I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to use it next time Aaron has me on this podcast." Great. And I go on the day. I was like, "I can't figure this out because oh. I am stupid in the head." But um, I need like this cable adapter that we didn't get, so I need to get that. Well, anyway, next time. I'll have it. Cable? But, you mean Josh uh, Brolin? Yes. Um, uh, but anyway, my Twitter is Mr. Aldo Rain. It's M-R-A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. And I promise I'll have something more next time. <laughs> we got a new <laughs> podcast line. We're going to figure it out. Mike, Dylan, anything you'd like to plug? Nothing to plug. I figured as much, which brings me back, back around to Abe. What's going on? <laughs> if I remember fun stuff on my Instagram. Abe, that one. And twitter.com slash walrusmoose hashtag pizza planet. Pizza planet? Pizza <laughs> planet? Uh, that is, thank, thank you once again, Mike and Alan, for joining us for this thank week's episode. Thank you, guys. You're always a pleasure, yeah. That is bringing this, show's, this show to a close. Next week, we will be talking a Death on the Nile. Oh. 2019 was that. when that movie was supposed to come out. Right. It's finally hitting next next week. So here we oh. go with that. Uh, but that is going to do it for this week's episode. Until, until next time, so long and goodbye. It's a strange